Oh, 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 cheeky monkeys. Get on with it. Toffee, toffee. It's black cap. Hashtag Buckheaders. That's magnificent. Hello, John. Up and down. Well done. Bye bye. Come on! Hello, dear viewer, and welcome to our second attempt to get this show done. Forget everything that we said before, gentlemen, and I will pretend it's all new. Right, first of all, the man, the myth, the legend, and I'm not talking pirate-wise or northern monkey-wise, it's Jeff Arsenal. All right, Treacle? Daniel, nice to see you again. Well, can we give away that we've just spent the last 10 minutes seeing you and saying what what a fine-looking gentleman you are, and uh, we're quite jealous. That is a myth. (laughs) (laughs) And we didn't we didn't want to have Jeff on camera because people, uh, the ladies around the world, they would have their knees trembling, and uh, that's, we can't have that, can we? Well, I'll see what happens to that AFTV. So you, you can't have me, mate. I'm sorry. No, that's that's just just too much, Jeff, for anyone to handle. So you good then? Have you missed us? I certainly have. Yeah, definitely. I, I hear I you were doing a bit of moonlighting yesterday. <laughs> no, I'm definitely not, mate. Nothing <laughs> at all. I haven't had anything to do. Just. Uh, <laughs> I'm enjoying the football. I've got to be honest with you. Don't, don't. You'll, you'll jinx it, right? Uh, also with us tonight, it's it's old piratey, the man who I messaged at seven o'clock and said we're starting live at seven thirty. Went, I might be home by then. It's Chris Carpenter. As I said, I said I will be here. I said I'll be just just there or thereabouts. Um, yes. Hi, Danny. It's it's a pleasure to cross your your path in these stormy waters once more. And I can confirm that I did indeed hear a Mr. Jeff Arsenal on a rival podcast. And and I was very pleased to do so, I have to say. It made that podcast uh, more listenable than, than usual. So I very much enjoyed it. Moonlight and again. And talking of moonlighting, our bloody Ellis, he's been snapped up by Tom, hasn't he? He's doing a show with Tom tonight. Well, Ellis, what, tonight? Oh, is that tonight, is it? Oh, I shall watch that as well then. Well, it's um, at the same time as we're on, I think. So. Oh, then I, then I bloody well won't. Everyone's <laughs> <laughs> watching. That, that's that's, um, that's Ellis the hero, as he will now all forever know, be, be known. So, um, yeah, good good, good to him. And and, and Tom's t- channel is doing rather well, so good for yeah. him as well. And, uh, yeah. yeah. It's just so sorry it's going to go downhill from here with Ellis turning on. Yeah, I mean that's that's the downside. You know, you you book trash and this is what happens. But (laughs) well, we've had what it is. You know, Jeff's been the star of this podcast since 2012. Jeff, you're gonna have to move over and let Ellis because Ellis is going to get a big head and he's going to have all the demands, all your biscuits that we pay you every year contract wise. Jeff, out the window. Ellis wants them. Is it only 2012? Yeah, started this year. Oh wow. Yeah, we got you on. I think it was November or December two thousand and twelve on the, the on the old podcast. Am I the oldest one here? Longest serving. Yeah, it's only you and me left, really. The rest of them have all been bleeding shipped off to uh, to uh, um, I don't know where they've gone. Actually, best we don't talk about it, eh, Jeff? No, <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, but I'll be getting a gold watch soon, Dan. That's what. I'm well, about. you are the only man who actually got a trophy. I was looking through the ABW folder of pictures that I've got, and there's a picture of um, you holding up, well, your hand and your, that trophy that you got. Oh, great days! What was that when I won it? I think three years on the trot or something like that. The prediction. Yeah, that's why. That's why no one else got a trophy because you kept winning it, and officially, it's now yours. So Predic- yeah, keep it. Just right. <laughs> Pat Brady has put in the chat testimonial for Jeff next season. <laughs> <laughs> excellent right also with us tonight it's uh it's our josh you're right josh come full camo as i thought it's not camo is it no sorry it's a monochrome uh flower print for what, what? should have guessed that shouldn't i yeah i i blame uh thunder road for yesterday saying that i have no style so i thought i'd bring up my game a little bit 
Can, can that be the title of the podcast, please, Danny? No. AEW presents monochrome flower print because that's the best <laughs> thing I've ever heard Josh say ever. Uh, I mean, we did a lot of hipster shows as well, so I'm surprised it's bottled down to that little soundbite. Very true. Uh, what we do need, people, as as is the new way of ABW, you put in if you can put in the, the chat ABW title. And then in quote marks, what you want us to call the podcast, I'll cut them and I'll paste them into my notes. And then at the end of the show, we'll pick the best title. How many other podcasts in the world will give the listeners, not fans, listeners, the chance to name the podcast? So, Josh, your idea is out because we're not having it because you are you, you're not even a listener, are you? You don't even listen unless you're on. Oh, no, I, I don't listen if I'm on. Uh, I can't no. bear the sound of my own voice, so I'm surprised we've got any listeners left. In fact, most of the times when you're on, you're not even listening, you're reading the chat, <laughs> like last night. I I would like to disagree with you, but that would just <laughs> be incorrect. <laughs> oh, you got any advice for Chris? He's got a broken pussy. Um, oh, I don't know. I think, go, I think you've already seen a vet already, so probably continue with that fire him up with some drugs and you'll be happy just don't let john welsh near it for at least 48 hours yeah that'll yeah. do so uh chris it's um did you do know cats cost about a pound each and i've worn mine any of them get ill they're going straight in the fucking sea and you live near yeah. the sea so can't you launch it in the sea and get a new one um no there'll be no new cats uh bobby is um i don't know where he is at the moment but he's he's had his first his first two shots of insulin. That's the first time I've ever had to administer a syringe uh, myself to an animal. Um, that was quite an experience yesterday night and today. But no, he's doing okay. Uh, certainly had me um, worried, shall we say? I, I was I was not not in a great place at the weekend because it came out of nowhere. Bless him. But he's uh, he's doing okay. So hopefully, with his medication, there'll still be a few years in the old bugger yet. Yeah, so right, and now you got to remember to carry a penguin biscuit with you around every time in case he gets a little bit of the shakes. And he exactly, can, uh, yeah. Have I, a I, down on that. I've been like, I've been lifting him up and putting him in places and making him comfortable and running around like I'm a bloody maid. So yeah, he's getting all the attention. What, yeah, yeah. What happened before the weekend? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I hope you'll be okay, but yeah, not not it's, a fun time. I know it's, it is really worrying because when my burgie decided in lockdown to knacker his one of his back legs, I screamed at him because I got so fucking angry with him. He couldn't have done it the week before or waited till after, and it turned out I think he just had a, he'd sprained his leg. So it is so worrying when you've got creatures that you like. I um, mean that that's how we talk about uh, John, isn't it? Creatures that you like, we've got to look after them. Absolutely. I think the YouTube is censoring because in our chat, we can see that Mike has put ABW. Jeff has, oh, there you go. It's used the word shit. We haven't blocked the word shit. Damn, Mike, you've put um, Jeff has the least shit beard as a title. And, and we can see it in our chat, but we can't see it in the YouTube comments. So um, I'm going to have to make a note of that and add it to the list. So far, we've got a couple of decent names. All right, we have yammered on. Like, I was going to say, all our fans in Scunthorpe would be very disappointed. We don't have fans. We have listeners. We're not pretentious enough to say we have fans. Kudos goes out to the lad. The, the, um, is that true? The nice to catch you guys at the civilized time, four fifty a.m. Do you think it's four fifty a.m. wherever he is? The Archangel. Archangel. Yeah, that means he's in Australia, which is fair play to him. That is uh, either he's had a, he's had a good night out, or he's got to get up earlier for the morning. I don't very much. He get up on time just to come and see us, would you? Well, I don't think you do. Um, 
Yeah, so what we're going to do, um, we'll start with you, Jeff, as you've been away for a while. Oh, actually, everybody, if you in the chat box, another thing I've thought of, put where you're from and we'll give a, we'll give a little shout and say hello and where you're from because uh, I, I saw another podcast do that recently and I like the idea of it. I don't know who it did, but I'm stealing it. Um, Jeff, uh, the, the, only yes, really, the only note I've got written down is uh, the um, if you'd have, before the, the game, after the Man City and the Brighton game, if you'd yeah. have said we'd get 10 points... Out of our next twelve points, would you you'd have you'd have had us locked up, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. The, the men in white coats are on the way round for you, Daniel. And it's, it's amazing the turnaround. Um, you know the, the the games that we've won. Um, I mean, you know, I was so so impressed with that Wolves game. They're they're, they're a good side. That Wolves, well run, good club. Um, I think they was they was bought out in, in sixteen or seventeen. Uh, got a good manager there, and he's involved with uh, the Mendes, isn't he? Uh, I think I've got a feeling that Mendes has is, is got a few quid in that club because the, the, the players that he's, 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 he's got there now, um, I think they're a good side, that Wolves. And to go up there and get a, a, a terrific result, totally unexpected to me. And uh, I think they've done really, really well. And going on from that, obviously, last night's game, um, the first 45 minutes again, we just continued from, 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 from the Wolves game. Uh, Looks so solid. We look so much tighter and structured with that three at the back. Uh, it does obviously hinder us in midfield. I think we felt that in the second half. But first half, that's the best I've seen Arsenal play for a long, long while. And if we can, uh, if we can just maintain that, you can see, you can see the structure and the discipline that he has instilled already. Uh, and if we can just maintain that and carry on as we are. I think we're going in the right direction, that's for sure. The second half of the game was a little bit... I just think we we played a lot of games, haven't we? Uh, lost a lot of players. Um, and we started, it's starting to bite now. A lot of, lot of tough games as well. It's not, you know, they've been tough games and four away games on the bounce, wasn't it? Uh, and unfortunately, we've got some tougher games coming up. But, you know, it's looking good. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to watch them again. I'm quite enjoying it. Chris? Yeah, I, I mean, as you said there, Jeff, um, the result, the, I think the Wolves result was was one that I wouldn't say I didn't expect because it, it's, it's, so, it's kind of so typically Arsenal to go and get a result when you least expect it. But on paper, you looked at that and you went, yeah, if somebody had offered you a draw before the game, you probably would have gone, all right, that's fair enough. Um, interestingly, tonight, they just lost to a last minute goal from Sheffield United Wolves. So that helps us given our result last night, which we'll come to. But yeah, as you said, it, it, it's nice. I think what I like most at the moment about watching us is that there there appears to be a plan in place. There appears to be something happening. And it's, it's not to knock Emery because I do think that he got a lot, lot of things right in his time, but obviously got a lot of things wrong as well. I think once the fans turn, you, you're kind of buggered with us. That That's kind of how we are. And, and the good thing is, is at the moment, and I'm going to touch everything wooden in my flat right now, but it appears the fans are fairly on board with each other. And whether that's because we can't see each other and, and go to games and that at each other's throats, I don't know. But it does appear like we're on the same page. It appears that the players in the main are on the same page. And, and the good thing is, as, as much as one in particular I wouldn't want to see go, um, obviously we know who that is, it sounds like uh, Mikel has is, is very much gone in there with the attitude of, as he said, Free, free start for fresh start for everybody. You've all got the opportunity to impress me. If you're not on the boat, 
not only will I throw you aboard, but I'll tie an- I'll tie weights to your ankles and drown you in the process. And and that's a good way to be because you've got a. I think he's got that from from Guardiola. That that's very much the the way I compare the situation, particularly with a certain German of Turkish descent, would be the Sergio Aguero situation at Man City when Pep came in. He was very clear to Aguero: you work hard, you track back, you do what I ask, you don't play. And for a good six, seven weeks, Aguero didn't play. Well, he's still there now and he's still banging in goals. That sort of goes to show what type of coach Guardiola is. And that's the same approach Arteta has been been taught. And I like that. I like that. And, and and the other thing that I'm quite enjoying at the moment, as well as on the pitch, is the off the pitch sort of communication from Arteta, which again was something that I think Emery got rightfully so a bit of stick for. I like the fact that Arteta is, is blatantly calling, calling the board and, and those above him out and saying, you know, I'm not looking for Anton Griezmann and, and Messi, but I am looking for reinforcements. I am looking to keep the players I like. And if you want me to build something here, you've got to back me. And, and I like that in Arteta. And, and I like that that's coming out on the pitch. So, yeah, overall positive. And um, so I know we'll touch on last night, but I'm, I'm pretty, yeah, I'm pretty upbeat. What's What's your thoughts, Josh, at the moment? Yeah, I think the same for kind of the Wolves' performance. I only watched highlights of it because I was quickly trying to wrap my brain and thinking, what the bloody hell happened in the Wolves' game? Albeit only a couple of days ago. Uh, that's, the, that's the only problem about having so much football back-to-back and playing every three days is they all kind of meld into one, especially when we don't make many changes in our squad. So, yeah, I think the way that we're going, I, I would say I was on the positive side of where we were with the performances to be honest after the Wolves result I thought we could have gone arguably the next six games and won them all and picked up the uh, 18 points from there 18? was it 24? no 18 I don't know maths 18 points uh, from there but you know we've seen what's happened with Leicester last night and I think it's unfortunate but I think we've still got a chance of ending up in European football certainly I think the Champions League might be a little bit out of out of grasp now. I think a win against Leicester and then continued for winning the rest of the season, we could have really have put some pressure on uh, the likes of Chelsea and Man United. Uh, and you have to say Leicester as well. They're in that argument for who could finish in the Champions League places. But this could all become irrelevant when Man City finds the right um, evidence, should we say, that they uh, will have their band rescinded from Champions League football. Jeff, do you, like Josh was saying then, so you could make this run for the Europa League, am I the only one who thinks I am quite happy if we finish outside the top seven? I do not want any Europe. The Champions League would be good because we're going to get a shitload of money to get in there and when we can buy buy lots of players. You're going to get, like I think it was Man United all those years ago, four or five years through, I don't know how long ago it was, they won the Europa League and they got 15 million quid for winning it. We don't need 15 million quid enough to have to play what? 15, 16 games a season. I do want European football because I bloody don't. We've seen it's a disaster, the Europa League for us. No, I don't think so, mate. I think I've no? quite enjoyed it. And I go to all the Europa League games as well, obviously the home games. And uh, I quite enjoy it. I, I do quite enjoy it. It's, um, you know, we, we got to the final last year and that was a disaster. But um, if we'd have won it, it would have been it would have been good and we'd have been happy with it. But the same thing we've got beat, people are, oh, I don't really want to be it anymore. You know what? It, it, it does appear. I mean, Chelsea did it. They was out of it for a year, then come back and won the title, didn't they? I think. Um, uh, you know, 
I just think I think you're better off being in Europe. It's easier to buy players. Players do want to play in Europe. Uh, all the top players they want to play in the Champions League. Um, they would suffer Arsenal being in the Europa League, uh, and then hoping that they did you know do enough to, to do enough work themselves to help us get into the Champions League. They build it together. Uh, I would rather be in Europe than not. I've got to be honest with you. And I understand what you're saying about the rest period and everything else, but. Uh, I, I think it's uh, every competition we should take seriously because I tell you what we I, I'm I'm not very hopeful in the league for a little while. Mm. Chris, um, what do you think? Because I'm just looking at the on Wikipedia now, and it says um, if Liverpool if Man City's appeal is coming up, is it this week or next week? And it says down to eighth place at the moment was qualification for the uh, second qualification round of the Europa League. We're in eighth place at the moment. I think we're in eighth because I don't know if this has been updated. Uh, yeah, we're still in eighth place after it's updated today's table after the the games. I forgot to watch because I didn't know they were on. Because like Josh was saying, there's so much football. Do you want European? Do you want Europa League football? Because we'd all love Champions League football. Do you want Europa? I, I, I've gone back and forth on this. I think, I think from a from a longevity point of view and, and from the club's point of view, I think I think Jeff's spot on. I think you need to be in Europe to attract players, and it's not just about attracting what you would call the stellar names. I think you have to be in Europe to attract even the sort of the lesser um, or the, the next shelf down players. So but don't we do that as it is because we're Arsenal because of our stadium because we're in London. Yeah, but I think I think that I think that's part of the problem. I think too many of us still think you know we 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 always have been and we always will be a massive club. And as you say, we're in we're in the most popular city in in Europe, arguably. And there's the fan base and there's the history and everything else. And that's another thing I think Arteta's doing well. He's obviously selling the idea to the young players that he's kept on on contracts recently. But you you still need to offer a a player an opportunity to get game time. You still need to offer an opportunity to, for a player to, to be on in the spotlight. And I think European football goes hand in hand with that. I think it's very hard to attract. If, if you're looking at a young player, for example, in, in France, in Spain, in Germany, and you're looking to bring them in, you say, yeah, you, you're coming in. We've got plans to use you, but we don't know how many games realistically we're, we're going to be in, but we've got the league and the FA Cup. That's all well and good. But if you can say to that player, look, we've got European games to run as well. There's a very good chance you're going to get a lot of game time. I think that that will will trigger the the, the sort of the, the balance to get them in. And I, th- I think it. I think you look at a club like Everton, for example, and the fact that they're trying to sign players, but they're relying on on brand Ancelotti. And that will get players attracted over there. But if if you if you're if you're competing with the likes of Everton, which genuinely I think we probably are for some players now, if you can go and you can say, look, we're Arsenal, we're in Europe, um, and we're going places, and we're a historic club with everything that goes with it, or you can say, or you can go to Everton, who yeah, sure, I've got one of the, the best managers in you know world football, past and present, but there isn't really much else to offer at this stage. They've got a lot of plans, but they're not in Europe. They haven't got this. They haven't got that. That's where I think you might roughly sort of tilt the balance in our favour. As far as actually on the pitch goes, it's a tough one because I think that the biggest problem you have is if we're not in Europe, normally you could say, oh, we could do the Chelsea, the Leicester thing where they didn't have European football and they, I think they won the league so seasons. But genuinely, and as much as I don't like saying this, we're not a side that's capable of winning a title right now, whether we've got Europe or not. We're just not. We're We're very very far behind not just Liverpool but behind Man City I think we're behind Chelsea still and 
I wouldn't say we're behind Man United. I think we're probably on level pegging with them, but obviously they've shown improvements. But we're not a side that even if you took European football away could compete for the title, I don't think. So I think we need to we need to be a bit mindful of where we are right now. And 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 European football, I think we need it. I, I do think we need it as much as Europa League is a little bit meh. Josh, um, yeah. Pat Brady here has put, I think the the Europa helps us with FFP. So cover that a little bit as well, because you you know your money stuff. I'm not even sure what FFP stands for. <laughs> Financial fair play. Yeah. yeah, I know what it means, Josh, but I don't want to have to explain it to the listeners. You You explain it. Yeah, I think it would help us. There's obviously going to be some revenue through it. We know it's not as large as the Champions League uh, money that we'd get through from there. And I think the, the club and the hierarchy are acutely aware of our financial situation at the moment. We even heard back last season uh, when the kind of Cronkies came into full ownership of the club. You know, Josh Cronke came out and said that, you know, we're a Europa League side with Champions League wage bill. And we've seen that with the Mkhitaryan deal, with him going out very quickly and how we're looking to perhaps to move on other players as well, those high earners. I don't think we'll see the likes of Socrates make it through this transfer window uh, without leaving through the door. And I think we're going to have to sell in order to buy in that kind of wage bill situation. I think we need to level that out again. Um, But what we could do overall in terms of signings I think as Chris has said we're kind of in a weird kind of situation where yeah we're kind of competing with Everton to be honest for West Ham might compete with us for certain players you know when they brought in Felipe Anderson a couple of seasons ago you could have seen that as being an Arsenal kind of signing but we're just going to have a different option for kind of playtime. and if we are in Europa League you know although we as fans might not give a huge damn about the actual football and the quality of that. That's an additional, what, 30 odd games uh, for an exaggeration on our season. And those are the kind of games you can give to those kind of players and say, look, we can take a bit of a risk on you. Some kind of mercurial talent from a European league, you know, same as someone like, um, Alan St. Maximan at Newcastle has been linked with us. I wouldn't have him anywhere near our squad, to be honest. But if you did want to bring in a player like that, then he's going to want to have to play 30, 30 plus games a season, which is what he's going to get at Newcastle. It's probably one of the reasons why he went there compared to going to the likes of, say, an Arsenal or, you know, maybe a Liverpool, where he's going to get game time, but not at the number of minutes that he's going to get at Newcastle and get 15, 20 games. He knows he's inconsistent as a footballer. So he's not going to give you that desired result. And I think that's where it's going to be difficult for us because of the market we're in for getting players in is we're not going to find players who are consistent with their end products. We've seen it with Danny Ceballos this season. He's doing great things now, but is that going to be sustained over this kind of six game, well, like four game period we've now got left because he's only really shown it for 10 games. And same with Guendouzi, you know, although he's fallen out with the manager, who's another player who has great games and then has awful games. It's, it's, we're in that kind of market now. And if we've got a manager who knows how to 
flip and switches players over when they're inconsistent, which I think Arteta kind of does. We've seen that he doesn't shirk uh, the need to drop any big name. I think the only player he hasn't dropped from the kind of big players we've got is Aubameyang. Uh, Everyone else, Lacazette's been rotated out the side. Well, we haven't seen Meza Ozil since lockdown due to potentially a back problem. Um, Ozil bingo. (laughs) Exactly. Ozil bingo. We saw David Luiz was taken out of the side for a bit. We've seen it uh, happen and him kind of rehabilitate these players and bring them back in when they're in form. So even Hector Bellerin in the last couple of weeks, to be honest, the performance he put in against Leicester, I think was by far and away the best performance we've seen from Bellerin in 18 months. But yeah, what do you think, Danny? I'm sighing at my computer to sign. I'm trying to get a file with my Ozil bingo and it's on the the uh, the non-SSD drive and it's now going, sounds like it's like trying to launch the Titanic. Here we go, right, I'm going to go and do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to go back here and then I'm going to share a screen, which I should have been able to do before and uh, Chrome tab and, oh, here we go, Ozil bingo. Pretend, you've just said, I've just said it and then it pops up. Look at that. Has anyone got a a complete line yet? Because as you can see, I've almost got, I win win, £350,000, which is how much it cost me to enter this. So I don't know if I'm the only person or I've been mugged off, but it's all bingo. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the future of entertainment. What do I think about um, about us playing in the Europa League, did you say? Oh, about Hector Bellerin. I thought you were huffing about Hector Bellerin's performance against I Leicester. was what is now could be known in the trade as pulling a Josh. I was reading the chat box and wasn't listening to you. <laughs> Jeff, were you listening to Josh? Because I wasn't. Yeah, I was. I was. I thought I'd mind talking about See, Bellerin. Forever honest, the pro, Jeff. After think, you talked about that, Jeff, could you talk a bit about Gwen Doozy? That's the next thing I want to cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Barely, you know, funny enough, I've been a, I've been a, a critique of, of uh, Hector Bellerin for a while. Uh I, I, he had a great maybe six months with Arsenal when he first broke in, and I've not seen much from him since. I know he had a bad injury, he's had a couple of dodgy injuries. Um, but even, even since he's been back, he's been fighting to get back. But last night, I definitely saw an improvement. So, obviously, the competition with Cedric that might have livened him up a little bit. Personally, for, for Hector Bellerin, I would rather he just concentrates on his football than doing all the modelling and that other stuff that he got involved in um, because he's still got a lot to do to be a regular in an Arsenal football team that is is playing for major honours. He's going to be okay if we're mid-table. He's about, about the right player that we're going to require. But if he's going to um, be in a, in a top Arsenal team, if Arsenal can, you know, make it up to, you know, the, the, the top two and top three and get to semi-finals and finals of the Champions League, you know, collectively, they're going to have to be better than, than, than what we've got at the moment. And Hector's going to have to really, really, he's got to mark up a little bit. Cedric, uh, I like him. And out of the two, I saw him a little bit at Southampton, fancied him for, for I didn't even, I didn't even realise he was going to be an Arsenal player. And I, and I was thinking at the time, he's a good player, that kid. But I've been to Southampton a couple of times and seen him. And, um, you know what? I, I fancy I fancy that he's the best out of the two players, but we obviously we're going to have to see 
over the course of time, I think he's a little bit more confident. I think he's better offensively than Hector Bellerin. But you know what? He's done well last night and, uh, and hats off to him because he's, I know he's been taking a lot of stick in social media from all the meatheads that you normally get on that abuse players when we're not playing very, very well. Um, but, you know, they're saying now, going in on what, you know, you wanted to talk about Gwen Doozy. Gwen Doozy, he's, I've read a couple of things about him. He's, he's, He's had trouble at every club he's been to at Paris. He was calling out players that were 10 years older than him. Uh, at Lorient, again, having fights in dressing rooms, and that's when he was 17 and 18, you know. Um, I fancy he's got, he's got fantastic ability, right? I do think he'll go on and be a good footballer, but, you know, it's, not, it's, it's about his attitude. I think he's a winner, and that's, <clears throat> I think that's part of his makeup. But you're going to need to, you've got to curb that bad attitude that you have. Apparently, he's a great trainer, you know, but he's got a big mouth. And big mouth will, will get you in trouble. But I do like him. Um, I think I would, I would like to say I'd like to persevere with him. But if he's, if he's too much trouble, if he's causing trouble, you know, all over the place and, and um, you know, upset, unsettling the the coaching staff and stuff like that, then you can't have him, mate. I think we could make a, a nice few could of him. I think there will be two or three clubs in him. Maybe you might even make 30 million of him. I don't know. Um, if you could do that, I would, because he, he's going to be too much trouble otherwise. You know, the Leopard don't normally change his spots, does he? So we don't need that at the moment. We've got enough of a build-up without... Molly Codlin, uh, Matteo Guendouzi. So, you know, put the money into somewhere else, I would say. Daniel? Cheers. Chris, um, I didn't realise, but I saw a tweet saying that he was uh, suspended, told not to come in for three months when he was at Leighton Orient in, in, the, uh, in the Farmers League. So uh, being that, that that's your team that have managed to sneak promotion whilst the mighty Khan have been swandling near the... That's not even a word. I've made a word up. Tell people about Gwen Doozy, his, his history at PSG, why they let him go, when he went to uh, Lorient and the three months that he was out there. And and then, Josh, after that, tell us what you think his role is at the club, if you don't mind. We can't hear you, Chris. I think, oh, I there think, you go. The thing with Mateo yeah. is... It... <laughs> Sorry, the, the thing the thing with Matteo is that, as Jeff touched on, there is is he's a very he's a very confident, very um, driven individual who sometimes lets that confidence lap in, lapse into arrogance. There's the old adage that a lot of people think all French people are arrogant. I can confirm that's not the case, but there are a lot of French people who are arrogant, and there's also a lot of other nationalities that are arrogant. But I think when it's a French player, there, there is a lot of highlight, uh, or a lot highlighted on them. If you look at the Clairefontaine school, if you look at some of the, the previous French talents that have, have come through the ranks, there's quite a few that you could point that finger at. See Sami Nasri, uh, see Yuri Jokoyev at times. That um, there's Ben Hatton, Ben Arthur. There's a lot basically of, of, of young French talent that, that has come through and had a little bit of chip on the shoulder, shall we say? Um, the thing with Matteo when he was at PSG, it was very much he was sold because he was making demands above his station in terms of his playing time. He felt that he was better than than some of the players that were there. And it, and it works both ways because you look at that and you think, well, actually, that's quite a good thing. That That's good that a player's got so much belief in, in himself that he should be getting games and he should play ahead of, of other people. That's that's not always a bad thing. But then when it when it sort of leaks into when, when essentially you're told them by the club you're at, in this case, PSG, that actually, you know, you're not ready yet 
and we're going to move you on because you, you obviously want game time. He had the perfect opportunity under under Londro at, uh, at Lorient to, to get games to play. And he did that. And that's essentially what got him the, the move to Arsenal, got him scouted because he was in that particular season, the second season at Lorient, he was he was fantastic. And that that's where he got his opportunity to shine. The unfortunate side of, of, of Matteo's personality is that he doesn't seem to learn from the mistakes that, that he makes. And that's the biggest concern I think that Arteta's got with him. Um, I'm not well, I'd say his biggest fan. I think he's been very impressive since he's come back. But you look at the difference in attitude between him and Granite Xhaka, for example, who, you know, doesn't doesn't uh, take away from what happened with, with Granite's sort of behaviour on the pitch in that Crystal Palace game. But look at what he's done. You know, he's got his head down. He's he's trained hard. He's done what was asked of him. He's been professional and he's put in some, some quality performances. The problem with Mateo is he hasn't done that. Now, we don't know exactly what's going on behind the scenes, but if it's anything like what brought an end to his Lorient career, which was essentially where he, you know, threw his toys out the pram and, and had a physical altercation with a coach, and you, you can't have that. And as much as I like him, and I do like him, and I like his spirit, and I like his aggression, I like his, I, I'd like his ability on the ball. I think that's something that, that has been very easily swept under the carpet. But you only have to look at someone with similar hair in, in Adrian Rabio to see what happens when you make demands and you and you don't you don't get what what you believe you should get. Sometimes you get moved on, you get shipped from club to club, and you very quickly get forgotten. And and that is what's going to happen to Matteo if if indeed he's sold. And the biggest problem that he's got is that he's been playing with fire in terms of thinking that he's um, how can I put this? He, th- he, he in his mind he got into the team under Emery and he thought he was untouchable. Well, unfortunately, the situation being as it is now is if we get offered a good swap deal, particularly in, in light of Atletico Madrid's interest, he'll be gone. And and there's no guarantees. I mean, can you imagine him being managed under Simeone? I mean, that, that ain't going to end well. So, yeah, there's a real talent in there, but you have to toe the party line. And as much as I like him and as much as I championed him coming in and, and as much as I wanted to see him in the side... You know he's he's um, he's he's signing his own his own transfer out the club at the moment, and I, I, I as somebody else pointed out, I think on another podcast to listen to, he hasn't got much time. That's the problem. The transfer window is now open. The the season is what three four games away. It's not like he's got half a season to reinvent himself. He is um, he's 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 going to go. Simple as that. I think I think Arteta's made his mind up and and he's out the door. So it's a shame, but. You've got to learn, and, and especially when you're young, you've you've got to learn quickly. And, and at a club like Arsenal, you can't get away with that sort of, that sort of a mentality. Um, maybe if you're Spurs, you can get away with it, but you can't at a club of our size. I've left a gap, Josh, so you can talk yeah. about Wendouzi. So, um, what is his? Well, I've often said that. As a, as a rough ball in football, you've got the defensive midfielder, you've got the bloke in the middle who gets it from the defensive and gives it to someone else, and then you've got the one who does the assist, does all the flair stuff. Is Guendouzi any of those? Because I can't see that he is. And what what would you classify him as about being rude? I'd say, although I've noticed Chris has currently run away whilst I was looking for someone. Say who whatever you want about the Farmers League. Well, I was hoping he'd back me up. To be fair, and I'd say that I see Guendouzi as a bit like a ball carrier, to be honest. He's not going to do... I think one of the cats has had a shit. (laughs) That's what it looks like. For those listening, Chris has ran off into the background, shut his bathroom door, and he's spraying air freshener in the air where the cat was. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, we'll wait for him to get back and we'll just ask him, Chris, you feeling any lighter now? But you were the cat that had a poo in the lip train you had to spray for. That was very much the cat. Uh, I couldn't I couldn't sit here any longer, sorry. That's all right. Yeah, so so, yeah, I was, wanted you to listen to what his point was. Uh, I was saying that Guendouzi, to be honest, his position, I see him as like a ball carrier within the midfield. I think that's his main uh, kind of characteristic, attribute. yeah, attribute that we use him for. And I think it's a big reason why Emery used him so much is because we didn't really have another player in the squad that could kind of do that, you know, because Meza Ozil's got, you know, his mum's written him a sick note for the 13th week running and she's now off with RSI. And, and there was just no one really else there. Aaron Ramsey isn't a ball carrier, whatever Jason tells you. Uh, I think there was just a problem. We didn't have that within the squad. So Guendouzi obviously became a key part of it and he thought he'd earned his stripes at Arsenal. But I think one of the things he'd missed out on was when you change manager, you know, almost everything gets uh, reset to zero and he's got to try and build himself back up again and show that there's a reason why he should be in the side. And I wouldn't judge him necessarily on his goals and assists. I think it's great if he pops up with some every so often, uh, if he could get hold of, what, five five goals in a season and maybe five assists as well. You'd think that's an all right return from midfield for a player of his age and the role that he kind of commits. Then, yeah, I think that's a reasonable response. But I'm not really sure. Well, let's put it this way. One of the poor things for Guendouzi, from his point of view, is he is most certainly replaceable. If he doesn't think he is, which I think is probably his mentality at the moment, is he thinks we couldn't find someone to do the same job that he does for us. Well, unfortunately, he's not at the pinnacle of his game yet. You know, there's a reason why Man United paid so much for someone like Paul Pogba, who I'd say has similar kind of attributes at his kind of age. Um, same for another Frenchman, Rabiot, with another interesting, um, should we say, mentality off the field when it comes to how much he rates himself. And I see those kind of similarities in those two players in his game as well as in his kind of, um, in his ego, mm. should we say? Like, if you go through the stages of how much those three players big themselves, well, one of them's proven themselves on the world stage and has got a World Cup winner's medal. So he can walk around, be a bit arrogant, and as uh, various different pundits will get irritated about the various different designs he has shaved into the side of his head every other week. Uh, and then you've got someone like Rabiot who thought he was bigger than PSG. And if you think you're bigger than PSG and Juventus come in for you on a free, fair enough. But I think he kind of lucked out with that one. And then you've got Guendouzi who, yeah, you've got people like uh, Simeone at Atletico wanted to come in for him. And uh, who has he been linked with? Uh, I was trying to think. I think Barcelona were maybe linked with him. Someone like him. Yeah, Juve. Yeah, they'll try and pick him up, but he's not going to play there every week. No. You know, he's going to sit on their bench. He's going to pick up fifteen to twenty appearances for them, tops in a season, probably as a rotational player. He's not going to have the chance he's got right now. But I think that's just something that I think that's what I was trying to say to him. To be honest, is look, at, you've not had it. You know, 
Arsenal is as good as you're going to have it at the moment. Anywhere else you go is going to be a step down in terms of playtime or just general club size. Chris, got some stats. First of all, that's my brother, Michael. Doesn't know anything about football. Claims to be a Liverpool fan. Name for the show, Who Did the Poo? Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Here's a, a cheeky tweet I did the other day, Chris. Um, Matteo Guendouzi, last season, 48 games, one goal, two assists, 12 yellows. This season, 34 games, zero goals, three assists, eight yellows. That works out to be... Uh, one goal every 82 games, one assist every 16 games, and a yellow card every four games. Doesn't mm. sound good, does it? I mean, no, it, it doesn't. But I think I think you're looking for the wrong. I think you're looking at the wrong stats in that type of player. Because I think if you said, you, well, I'm just trying to think of a, a recent destroyer. But if you looked at Gilberto Silva's goals and assists, you probably wouldn't get many more out of him. But what you would get was a solid central midfield player who made a whole team tick for three years. So I think you kind of, I think if you're looking for goals out of Gunduzi, you look at the wrong player. And if you're looking at assists, you look at the wrong player. He's, he's more of a second assist. And like, like Josh said, he's more of a sort of a deep, a deeper player. Um, and again, he's 21. So, you know, it, it, it's, it, he's not the finished article what I wanted to, what I, how I would change the question slightly, and I want to ask Jeff on this one, is, Jeff, if you go back to the days, particularly, I, I know it's a different game, I know it's a different mentality, but you look at when George came in at, at Arsenal, he very much came in with the Arteta philosophy of, I want to build around some of the youth team, I want to build around some of the local lads. He got rid of some of the players that were there before. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a different mentality, and I know Arteta's you know not going to be the same sort of personality as, as George Graham. But was there any players that that George relied on that maybe needed to have a little bit of an ego check when they were first introduced in that in that squad all all those years ago? I just think he was so fierce, George, when he came in. Um, he was so you know very upstanding. Uh, the players had to respect him. You know when you you got that you know you got that. <laughs> You've got that air of invincibility about you. You come in and you just just hold the room. Some people can do that. And when he came in, uh, that's what he did. And he was very, very, he was very strict. Um, obviously, you could let him go off and do their bits and pieces on the Tuesday club and stuff like that. But but when he, when I was training, he was very, very strict. I think that Mikel was coming and, he, and he's done more or less the same. He's obviously a lot softer. Uh, He's a lot more technical about how he goes about his work, and his his methods are obviously different. He's a, he's a proper football man, whereas George came in and he was more just structure, defend, defend, defend. We got the other end and nick a goal. Then no, once we'd scored a goal at that in that particular time, we was everyone just give up because we, we said it could break us down. But um, obviously, Mikel was very different. But I just think he he's a nice guy as well, and. He, he has given him a choice. He said, right, it's a blank canvas. You, 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 everyone's got a chance. Um, and if you if you play well and you train well, and I like the look of you, you'll get a chance of playing. And then once you get in the team and you continue to play well, you'll stay there. It's as simple as that. Obviously, a squad rotation comes into it. So at the same time, he's giving other young kids that are bite at the cherry. Whereas, you know, when the squad rotation comes in, you've got to, when you get in there, you've got to perform again and stake your claim on the place. But I, I think he's doing it a different way. I think he was more like, it's more like an Arsene Wenger type of way. Arsene Wenger was obviously, all he commanded was respect because of, again, he's another figure that was, you know, um, 
it, 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 it just demands that respect. Um, but but what 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 Mikel's doing it is quite different. But I do think he is laying the law down and he's saying he's not going to have no nonsense from players that that are going to disrupt at the football club or do not want to be here. If they don't want to be here, you're going to go. It's as simple as that because he'll get he'll find people. He'll get people in that do want to play for the football club. And, you know, and I think he's going to need the two or three windows to, to get his players in to really get a, a, a proper look at what, what he's got. But I'm, I'm, I'm really happy what he's doing at the moment. Danny. Sorry, sorry, just, just one of the quick on, on that same subject. Um, does that mean for you, Jeff, does that finally mean the end of Mesut? Because it feels like, it feels like Mikel's got more of a, a, a voice with the board than, than Emery had because Emery clearly wasn't fussed about Mazza and was quite happy to let him go but yet he's still here a year later Mikel seems I mean he liked him at first he played him at first but does does this finally mean that that Mazza goes because or is it a tw- we were, you're able to name a 20-man squad and he's not even getting on the bench I mean it's not a back injury is it no obviously not um you know he's got to a stage where um again it doesn't matter how big you are there's no one bigger than the football club and, and, and Mikel was here before Meza Ozil, don't forget. Uh, mm. He knows the football club inside out. He's worked under some good managers already, or, you know, he worked, he's, he's worked under, uh, who was he at Everton with? It was Everton for a long while, wasn't David he? Moyes. David Moyes. David Moyes. Okay, now he's a, he's a disciplinarian. He was mm. under Arsene Wenger, which is, is was a different, you know, he gave you respect, like I've, like I've, like I've explained. Uh, and and he, yeah, and he's, he was under Pep Guardiola. So he's worked under some, some decent managers, right? Obviously, he's picked off bits and pieces from each of them, and it's just his way of working. He, he will not have anyone be bigger than the football club. It doesn't matter who you are. Uh, Meza Ozil simply is not doing it on the football pitch, even before... Uh, Michael, Mikel Arteta was at the football club, you know, as a manager. He's not been doing it for 18. I love him. I think he's a genius. But, you know, we play football on grass, don't we? We're not we're not playing it in the, in the mind. You know, he's got to... I mean, he's been playing Fortnite, apparently, isn't he? So, <laughs> but, um, you know, he's, he's, got to, he's got to buckle up. Otherwise, you know, you, personally, even if it costs you money to, to, to get him out of the club, if he can't play... Right, and you know, so on the, even on him playing, you know, when he when he does play, if he's not if he's not affecting the game, he's really playing with, like with ten players, because um, he doesn't really do a lot of defending. All right, he'll get back into position, he'll do a lot of running around, but he's not one to get his foot in, and um, you know, he's sometimes you are carrying him. Uh, I don't think we're going to be a team. I don't think Arteta is going to be a manager that's going to let anybody. Uh, you know, just just swan in and swan out when they want to. I think he's going to get proper footballers in uh, that that want to play for the shirt. You know. Yeah, Chris, has that picture made you made you moist? It's, it, it, it it brings me back to the days when um, really baggy football shirts were a thing. That is certainly I remember the nineties, and you, you, everything you bought was like extra large, even if you were small. So yeah, good times. But yeah, yeah, people forget he was at PSG, of course. But, would, he, yeah. would he be there under with JJ Kotcher as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Time. JJ would have been there at the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was okay. that's why we should have kept the Wobie. Back in the days when PSG were basically a new club. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Mm, Josh, yeah, you were I, yes, I was. Uh, so, I think one of the things that 
the sale of Guendouzi may open up is the fact that we don't necessarily need to sell a Bamiyang. And if you had the choice, and I think the fees are going to be similar, so we'll give you 30, 40 million pounds for whomever we get get rid of out of those two. Who would you rather keep hold of? Oh, Bamiyang all day long. I mean, what's he got this season? 23 goals in 40 games or 38 games or something like that. I was looking at it earlier. And even when we're playing badly, he's still... I mean, the amount of work... How many other world strikers in the world? Then you would say he is a, a triple-A level, like, like in games, a triple-A level BAM striker. Doesn't really come to games, does it? He's a gold-star striker. How many of those other ones? We've seen that... Um, oh, who's the um, the uh, the French bloke at Atletico, whose name I can never remember? Griezmann. He's a striker kind of thing. And look what they've done to him, playing him out wide. He's, he's doing nothing there now, is it? In fact, there's been rumours that we're going to get him on loan. But... You look at the amount of work that um, Aubameyang does, and everybody loves him. And it's just, I think he is the uh, like one of you were saying earlier. Aubameyang is the only one who hasn't been dropped. I think he is the the most, one of the most important, apart from with Leno as well. But you can't really drop Leno. But Aubameyang is one of the most important players at the club. So, oh, I would, I would get Guendouzi out straight away. And we know, Chris, don't we, that. If Guendouzi leaves this season, goes to Atletico or somewhere, 30, 40 million quid, in five years' time, we'll be looking at him going, Arsenal, let him go, and he's just won the World Cup with France. Well, yeah. Turn him into the, the player that he can be, have we? Yeah, but you but you take that chance. I mean, you know, Dimitri Payet was, was brilliant for West Ham, but no West Ham fan now will tell you they love him. They think he's an absolute scumbag, but he single-handedly carried that club on his back for a season. So sometimes you, you have to look at the big picture and let the right players go. There was a young player, you might remember him at Arsenal, he's called Nicholas Anelka. Um, you know, that, him in the chat. That that lad would have would have I genuinely think would have got close to Thierry Henry and, and Ian Wright's records if he'd have stayed put and been with us because he had everything that lad absolutely everything. Unfortunately, what he also had was was a prick of a brother and a massive attitude and, and an ego. And yeah, whilst he had a career at, at uh, Real Madrid and, and you know went on to do some good things, he never really had a career with France, not to a high degree. And and ultimately, I think he'll look back at his career and go, I could have done a lot more. And there's so many players that leave Arsenal and look back on it and go, actually, do you know what? I probably shouldn't have left. You look at Overmars. He spent, what, four or five seasons at Barcelona? Didn't yeah. win a damn thing. Petit, Petit went there. Yeah, one exactly. Wonder, straight yeah. back out again. Yeah, Adebayor. What, you know, what did he do with his career once once he left? I mean, like, yeah, I expect you can say he has some, some success at Man City. But all but... the younger players of today look at that and go, oh, yeah, maybe I shouldn't because I know at his age I wouldn't have done that. I think... I think really? that, the, the biggest the biggest problem that, that Gunduzi has right now, I think Josh hit the nail on the head, is in, in his mind, he thinks he's key to the future of Arsenal. I think that Arteta's looking at this, and, and I know it's it's sort of flavour of the month in terms of uh, names being banded around. There, it's very clear that Thomas Partey is very interested in a move to the Premier League, and it's very clear that he's, he's fluttering his eyelashes in, in Arsenal's direction. We don't need to sell Ganduzi to Atletico Madrid to get Thomas Partey, but what we do need to do is fund someone like Thomas Partey's wages. And if that means getting Ganduzi off the books, I could see Ganduzi going somewhere like Inter, who, as much as I love them as a club, are quite happily to frivolously throw around massive wages to very average Premier League players. See Ashley Young, Alexis Sanchez, and Christian Eriksen, for example, Victor Moses as well. So it's it's as much of a case as if you get. Gendouzi's wages out the door and Mesut Ozil's out the door suddenly a deal where some people would look at, at, at Parsi and go well there's no way we're in for him because he's massively out of our budget suddenly he's, he's actually in our budget 
And that's where Gunduzi has let himself let himself down because from us not having options, we've clearly identified a player that we would like and a player who would probably quite like to come to us and a midfielder that we've actually been crying out for probably since since Vieira and Gilberto's era because that's the type of player that I think would be massive for Arteta because he could build around him. So Gunduzi was was irreplaceable a year ago in terms of the future. All of a sudden now he's he's not. And that's where he's gone a bit wrong, and and it's humility, you know. You you've got to learn. You you've got to be you've got to be humble. Or you won't have a career. Right, in the same way that um, you know we mentioned Nicholas Anelka already, the way he was key, or thought he was key to Arsenal's future was the mm. fact that we sold him. We built a new training got a training ground, ground. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. got uh, Thierry Henry in. Mm. I think it'd be exactly the same. Grandizzi. Grandizzi is key to Arsenal's future. But not with him in the size. It's selling him and using him to rebuild your midfield. Mm. Because if you say you get 40 million for him, even if we don't get Thomas Partey, you could get two 20 20 million pound midfielders from, to be honest, you could pick some out of the championship that would get better returns with better balance from there, just from the teams going down. Mm. So, yeah. Just seen a tweet here from um, Osman Naguna. He says there's an article from francefootball.fr and the gist of it is, Gwenduzi refuses to apologise in a meeting with Arteta and Edu. David Luiz tried to intervene, but the situation hasn't changed. I did try and read it and convert it to English, but it didn't convert to English very well. It made no sense at all. And, and the, only, the only thing I would say, I, I don't want to sort of, I know we probably should move on from this subject, but the one thing I would say is, for all those people that are getting on their high horse and saying, oh, you know, you're a disgrace, you're this, you're that. Think back to when you were 20, 18 to 21, 22. I know, I know I thought I was invincible. You know, I didn't, I didn't give a monkeys what anyone told me. If I, if I made my mind up about something and, and that was it, I knew it all. And, and I think that's, that's the great shame in all this because you, you could look back on, he could look back on his career and, and you look at the difference between Bukayo Saka, Bukayo Saka's interview the other day, where he just comes across as a humble, likable, well-educated young man. I think that's where Matteo probably could could do with. And and sometimes in life, I'm sure we've all on this podcast tonight. I'm sure we've all done it. Um, Jeff, being a newly married man, will probably do it for a lot of time in the future. Where sometimes you just got to say sorry, even if you don't actually think you're in the wrong. You know, so I think sometimes you just got to be a man about it and say, you know what? Yeah, my bad. I, I, you know, I was in the wrong then. And behind closed doors, you can call your your missus or your manager all you like, but on a united front, sometimes you just got to just just say the right thing and just get on board. Otherwise, you you could be a footnote in in a career that that never happened. Jeff. No, you know what? I'm just thinking out loud. I want to know who the best goalkeeper at Arsenal is. That Leno and Martinez at the minute. <laughs> it's another one, yeah, yeah. That's another well, one. I, I did do a cheeky tweet a couple of because I've deleted all my tweets because I don't want to be cancelled. And I did a cheeky tweet the other day and saying that I would love to give Martinez the rest of the season. This was probably as soon as Leno got injured because there was talk that on the first of July that. Oh, what's his name for X-Man? Joe Hart was on a free transfer. Yes. And people were saying we should get him in. And other people were saying that um, the old matey boy at Southampton who's on loan at Celtic. And I said, I think we should give um, uh, Martinez the rest of the season. And my God, it had, it had about a million retweets or somewhere, some number like that. I think everyone, I don't know a single Arsenal fan, Jeff, that has gone, nah, Mount Martinez, we need to get him out. I've been, it's just fantastic, isn't it? He's so full of confidence and he's very shouty, which I like from a goalkeeper. 
Yeah, you got. I mean, you got to do it. It's the longevity, though. You know, we've had a few goalkeepers in the past that have had a few good games and then that fell to pieces after the one or two bad mistakes. You know, it's after the first or second mistake, how you pick yourself up. Obviously, being a goalkeeper, if you make a mistake, it nine out of ten times it's a goal. You know, if you're playing up front and, and you know you make a mistake in your own box or something like that, generally you, you might get away with it because there's a lot of other players who can support you like that. But a goalkeeper might, if he drops one in, it's on you. So it all depends how he gets on after his first mistake. And goalkeepers do make mistakes. But you know what? I, I, it's a toss-up at the moment. He's doing really, really well. Uh, and again, it's good for competition, isn't it? But I do, I think, if that was both fit, I think Leno would definitely, I think he, he gets it from his from his shot stopping. I think he's a, he's a better shot stopper. Um, but Martinez definitely, I would say, he definitely commands his box a little bit. He's, he's, he's a bigger man, isn't he? You know, he looks, he looks a lot bigger and stronger. And um, being a goalkeeper, you need to, you need to have that little command in the box, don't you? But um, it's interesting, though. No? What about you, Josh? What do you reckon? Well, we've taken what was it, two thousand and eight, when Crazy Jens left, and we've been waiting since then for another goalkeeper to kind of replace him. And now we've got two along at once. Just like buses, <laughs> and I'm not sure who I prefer. I think before going into it, I had my doubts over Martinez. I thought he was a bit too erratic. Uh, it just his performances in cup games were just a bit too, I don't know, a bit nervous. I think, but now he's got a clear run. I think he might be. I have a touch of the Lukaku's. I think when he knows he's got a clear run at a position. You know, the number one shirt, when Lukaku was number nine, it's perfect. If he knew he was number nine, he'd be performing for you. Anytime you brought any competition for him, in on him, he'd crumble. That's the reason why he didn't make it at Chelsea for Lukaku is because uh, Drogba came back and he was just like, I'm off. See you later. Just doesn't fancy it. It's got to be number one there. And I think that's the same with Martinez, to be honest. Now that he knows Leno isn't pushing him because he's out injured and Matt Macy... I don't think has got a long-term future at Arsenal. I think he's a third choice and that's the best he'll probably have. You know, at the pinnacle of his career will be the third choice goalkeeper for Arsenal. Um, I think we can kind of see him be a bit more relaxed in goal. And yeah, he feels he's, he's playing well at the moment, but we'll say it is only three or four games that he's had for us in that number one spot, but long may it continue. Absolutely. But, I think at the moment, I still think Leno has shown he's consistent across People the have got short period memories, of they, Josh. That's the thing. People forget that Leno basically yeah. carried us for half a season in goal. And yeah. The, the, biggest, the biggest challenge I think we're going to face in the summer, or I mean, I say the summer, it is the summer, although you wouldn't think it looking out the window. Um, it, it, the biggest problem you, you're going to face is Emi Martinez has been a third choice and a backup choice for six, seven years of his career. You know, he wants to play. So I think people are overlooking the fact slightly that he's in the shop window right now. And as much as he's probably enjoying being Arsenal's number one and playing games, he's out there looking for potentially the next move because he, if he's getting game time now and he's performing and he's rightly getting plaudits for it, he's going to be on the radar of certain other clubs. Yeah. And there are a few pretty, pretty sizable clubs in Europe right now that don't have particularly good, first choice goalkeepers. So um, 
you know, and if you look at, for example, if Manchester United made a, a decision about about David De Gea and, and moved on the most overrated goalkeeper in European football, am I right, Josh? They they brought in Dean Henderson, for example, then Sheffield United need a new goalkeeper, and somebody like Martinez, whilst you think he's probably well, he is above that level, suddenly is going to be very appealing to be playing every single week. Um, I look at Jordan Pickford at Everton. You know, there's there's a lot of players that there could be a bit of a merry-go-round. And the hardest part for us might be convincing Emmy Martinez that whilst he may not be first choice, he's going to get all the Europa League games, etc. and so on. So yeah, Archie's got a great point in the chat box as well. He just says you've got to think about the fact that we've got a back three mm. at the moment as well. So there is that additional cover. We've mm. looked a lot more stable. Uh, I can't think in the games that we've played where Martinez has started that he's had uh, even close to the amount of work that Leno had to do in certain mm. games where he is jumping up and down every so often to put saves in. We're yeah. a lot uh, we're a lot tighter at the back. And I think that's that's also helping him as mm. well. Uh, yeah. Not to say he's not making great saves still. You know, there's the save against Norwich. Uh, you can think back to, where, you know, we're only 1-0 up. He gets down well to get, gather that one. Uh, there are a couple of other ones to look at it, but like compared to Kasper Schmeichel at the other end for Leicester, mm. I think last night, I think he's I think he's in a different league. Uh, Schmeichel, he's a proper shot stopper. I don't think Martinez would have stopped all of those chances if he was, uh, yeah, if he was there. Mm. There you go. Is uh, moving on slightly, Jeff. A question from Loki. Uh, a fellow bloke, same, same as me, born in London, now lives in Cambridgeshire. He says, uh, do you think playing with no fans helps our team in regards to the pressure, etc.? No, I don't think so. No, no, not one bit, especially at home. Um, you know what? You know when you get on the pitch there, you don't, you don't worry about fans. You don't, you don't really, you don't really, you get used to it. Uh, yeah, I, I can't, I can't see, can't see any problem in you know i think they enjoy it as well don't they surely you, you, you rather have people there making a noise and uh, I, don't, I don't see that's any difference at all don't be honest with you know i think they think they enjoy the game just want to get out there and play football obviously it's just better than an empty stadium isn't it Either you two think that we play better there's less pressure I, on the players i think there's something else though that we've seen because of the lack of um fans in the stadium and that's the lack of yellow cards and red cards You've seen, I mean, this is purely anecdotal and conjecture. There is no factual basis to this other than the games I've watched. But I have seen fewer yellow cards since the restart than I would have expected to see in a normal run of games. And I think that's because the crowd aren't there to get on a referee's back. Like we saw, was it 14 fouls Leicester committed last night? If we've got a crowd there that are baiting the referee getting in his ear constantly when they're fouling us because the players they've got to you know they've got their jobs to do they need to get back into shape we can't have like a granite jacker david louise abamiang running across from each corner of the pitch to shout at the referee because we know what's going to happen Leicester are going to take a quick free kick and we're done for and they're in in behind us we only got one yellow card and bennett and evans were quite getting stuck in weren't they yeah absolutely and i think we've seen it in every game that you know, even fouls that we've committed, you've gone, that should probably have been a yellow card, to be honest. And we've got away with them. Uh, and I think it's purely down to the lack of fans that are there, that extra uh, holding the referee to account 
Because at the moment, if they put a yellow card up or they don't give a yellow card, they're not going to get a huge amount of backlash, are they? It's only going to be from the manager who's on the other side of the field that if he says anything wrong, the fourth official is going to send him to the stands and he's got to socially distance, I don't know, in row Z. Or you've got the players who, to be honest, are a brand new manager. And if they, even for half a second, go out of position and go start chasing after a referee... Arteta's going to be shouting at them to get back into position and probably drop them for the next game. So I on think the, that's where we've seen it. On that subject of, of, of discipline on the pitch and yellow cards, you know we are bottom of the fair play league. I saw this, you know, yeah. I, and I watch the game just like you do. Right? I, I, we get... We, we, we think we think we get dished out yellow cards left, right and centre. In my opinion, and I'm obviously I'm a little bit biased, but, you know, <laughs> Mate, we're bottom of the of the, of the yellow card league of the of the fair play league, and I, I just I saw that game last night. How on earth, Leicester? There was one when Tierney got body checked, yeah. and as he was getting body checked, he got pulled back just to make sure he didn't go past it. It was just a complete it was a complete obstruction, and um, the lad got away with it. Was it Turner or was whoever it was? I can't remember the lad's name. New kid that came in for Leicester last night. Oh, Bennett. Bennett, yeah. yeah, one of them mates. And um, it was shocking. And then we, we had yellow cards all over the place. And the, the sending off, obviously, that's a little bit... I, I don't know whether or not you think that was a, a red card or not. Maybe that's a discussion. But but bottom of the um, the fair play league, I, I just can't believe it. It's, it's, I quite find it quite incredible. I was I was really wound up last night, Jeff. Really wound up by, um, by that red card. I, re- I really was. And... I was quite surprised how many people were on my timeline. I've I've learned I've learned the Twitter game. Simple get simple rule is don't reply to anyone ever. But um, yeah, I was quite surprised how many people took umbrage at the fact that I thought it was a ridiculous decision. I thought it was utterly ridiculous. And I think I think Josh is with me on this one with the bar thing. You know, you can make anything look like anything if you look at fourteen different fucking angles of it and you slow everything down. To me. And, and I know I relate this to the sort of level I, I play out or manage at, but it's a classic two players going for a bouncing ball and one slightly late. And I'm not saying that it wasn't a dangerous challenge. Yes, he should have been booked. Absolutely. It, it was a bookable offence. But when you look at the history of, of, of us this season, and I, I, anyone who listens to this podcast, all three of you will know, I don't. I don't like blaming referees. I don't like you know because I, I do. I do think we've got away with a few over the years and, and over the season. I, I'm sure it balances out. But some of the decisions that have gone against us are laughable. And and if like Mikel Arteta said, if if Eddie Nketiah is endangering an opponent with that challenge, then, then Jamie Vardy should have had four red cards for that challenge on Mustafi. Anyone that thinks that that Vardy didn't leave a bit on Mustafi for me is is ignorant because that it was just the most blatant extending of the leg you've ever seen whether he was trying to injure him or not is irrelevant he extended his leg into his face and just to give you a few examples I don't expect everyone to remember these but a few that I've looked into we had a McLean challenge on, on Ganduzi, which was studs up which got a yellow card at, at Norwich there was the the blatant foul on uh, Callum Chambers against I think it was against Crystal Palace which, which saw a goal chalked off we had the Pepe incident in the, in the penalty area against Sheffield United. That was chalked off. There was the challenge on on Enketia in, himself, actually, at Bournemouth in the first um, first game under Arteta, which was a blatant red card. Not, not even a card was given. 
and there was the challenge by the West Ham guy. Was it um, uh, the the left back? I forget his name. Cresswell. Cresswell, yeah, who nearly cut Nicola Pepe in half. Um, and also, let's not forget the the uh, Jorginho never got a, a second yellow card, scored the winner against us at, at, at the Emirates. There's, there's and there's more. There, there's more decisions, and I think the the thing that really wound me up the most about that whole incident last night with with Inketia was that referee who does look like a massive virgin, by the way. <laughs> it was the way he went over to the screen, took one look at it from the angle that, as I think Josh pointed out in our group, the, the one angle that made it look the worst, and immediately, yeah, red card. And that's, that's what commentators were saying, weren't they? That he, he looked really quick. They're making out that it's a good thing, something like that, which means he's banned for three games. You can't just look at it and go, oh, yeah, no. it's like you're rewinding it on. Yeah. As many and, angles as possible and intent. And also the fact that the, the, the people in, in the fuck truck or whatever it's called who looked at these replays, they, they will have been communicating with the referee the whole time, going, right, we've looked at this, we've looked at that. That angle isn't great. This angle isn't great. You, there's no way that you're not telling me that somebody wasn't in his ear going, look, ref, um, here's the situation, okay? We've watched this. We think it's a red. In fact, it's definitely a red. If you could just trot over to the screen, yeah, that'd be great. Just have a quick look. Um, just pretend you're, you know, just pretend you're interested uh, and just send him off. There is no way that he hasn't had communication from VAR to say, we want to send him off, but because it because it looks better if the referee goes to the monitor. Which, by the way, the referee has gone to the monitor twice this whole Premier League season. Twice, both for Arsenal red cards. Funny that, isn't it? Or Chris, or Chris, were they unsure? Were the guys in the van unsure? I There's didn't a want to. Yeah, you have to make decisions. Yeah, we're we're unsure about this. Yeah, this I think, and it was unfair. Yeah. Where he just looked at that one shot, and mm. he did terrible from that particular shot. Yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah. But to be honest with you, it, it was it was late, and by the lesser of the law, I think it was a red card, mate. I think I think it was a red card. To be honest, yeah. when you get to that angle, like previously, you're like, no, it's not a red. Looks like a yellow, but then you see the way that the guy's knee goes when Eddie makes contact with it, and you're like, that should be a red card. I think the biggest grumble we've got as fans is the fact that consistency between exactly. that and what Jamie Vardy did. Exactly. And the like fact Jamie, Jamie Vardy, Vardy gets sent off, we're fine. And the fact Jamie Vardy's offside to score the equalising goal, and, and why why not more of that has been made? I mean, I, I, mean, I, I don't understand the law anymore. If, if, if a player can basically be flagged offside for his armpit or his shoelace or his, his scrotum being slightly ahead of the opposition which we've seen um, hilariously against Spurs several times, which is always good. But uh, for me, he's offside. He's leaning into an offside position and, and nothing was made of that. I've, I'm not saying our defending was great, but that's it's, like you said, Josh, it's, it's, it's the word consistency. And there's, there's still people in the chat now saying that, that it, it's a red. I, I just don't think it is. I, I just don't. I think he's trying to block it. Going by the precedent of the previous decisions he's made, then yeah, mm-hmm. not a red, but isolated on its own. That's a red card. That happens in the first five minutes of the game, red card. Yeah. Without anything else happening beforehand, I think you're fine with it. And then Jamie Vardy does what he does to Mustafi hmm. 20 minutes later. Yeah, I think a red and card. Was that reviewed? That. Wasn't that reviewed as well? No, because referee saw it, didn't he? Well, I don't know. I think I thought it was reviewed. But I mean, even if it wasn't, surely that that's endangering an opponent. Even hmm. if you don't kick out, you've raised your leg and you've got I thought, to be face. honest, the way that Vardy looked. Mustafi exactly. with like he'd lost an eye. I thought yeah. 
I thought it was the fact that he thought he'd lost an eye. Well, yeah, because but, yeah, he was there you go. Endangering he was because he he looked like if he wanted to leave something in on him, then he was absolutely shit scared. Because you saw the like life go out of Jamie Vardy's face mm. when he then saw what he, how he'd caught Mustafi and where he'd caught him. Mm. So maybe he's trying to leave a little bit thing on him, or maybe he's not. But I think for that brief like two seconds when the camera pans to him and just all of the blood rushes out of Vardy's face. You know he didn't mean it in that way. I think Julian Salmon makes a really good point here. Then we move on. He says, uh, probably with VAR, his most mistimed challenges exactly. slow down look like a red. Exactly. That's exactly yeah. my point. You can make it look anything you want to, to fit an agenda. Yeah, exactly. Oh, there you go. And uh, Mark Davis, they are all corrupt <laughs> at the FA. Well, we all know Mark's, that. Mark's right. Yeah, Mark's right. <laughs> Excellent. Um, is there any other, do we want to talk about the emergence of Saka and tyranny? Anybody want to make any points on that? Or should we just leave that because it's obvious? We just sit here for 30 seconds and just go, ah. It's just refreshing, isn't it? It's just, it's just refreshing. I imagine Tierney's a very much a, a Jeff Arsenal type of player as well, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. love it. Different class. Looks really, really good. Great prospect. Uh, a bit of guts about him. Mm. But, you know, I like it. I like a fullback when they, they'll they'll stand up and they'll just have a foot race with a with another uh, defender and try and make that line and, and get a good cross in. Whereas you see, you see I mean, look at I disrespect, I, you know, I apologise to Hector Bellerin when he listens to this podcast, because he obviously does, doesn't he? They all do. <laughs> but, you know, Hector, when he receives the ball from one of the centre-halves and one of our midfield players, and he's wide on the right-hand side, there's a great big bit of space in front of him, apart from one defender. He just turns back and he passes it backwards. Whereas Tierney, Kearney, Tierney, whatever his name is, right, he will fly down that left-hand side. And the first thing he wants to do is go past his defender. He's got, he's got a mm. great pace, great balance and a great cross. So I'm looking at good things for, for Tierney. And plays with his shirt tucked in. That's a rare one. Yeah, yeah the, the tucked-in yeah. shirt. It's not a good look yeah. nowadays, is it? It's, it's very Glaswegian, isn't it? It's very Scottish. I like that. But yeah, do you wish you don't have your shirt tucked in, Chris? Do you? No, no, I, no, no. Mainly because if I do, it shows off the dad gut still. So I've got to let it all hang, you know. <laughs> so where do we? Um, where would we think we're in a few years to come that we will see tyranny rated? Uh, I don't know. why I always say that with an Irish accent. It's my mum's bloody fault. Tyranny. Tyranny. Where do you think Tyranny is going to be in a few years' time? Do you think he's already shown that he is top 10 Arsenal left-back quality? He'll be at Barcelona in 10 years' time. We all know that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he, he's, I think he's the best left-back we've had since Ashley Cole. Uh, I know that's a statement. And and for the record... As much he can as, defend. Well, yeah, but he can attack as well. And, and, and much as I don't like to admit this, Ashley Cole was, was arguably the best left-back. Yeah. anyone's ever seen you know he, yeah. people talk about Roberto Carlos the guy couldn't defend for Toffee Ashley Cole could do everything um and and to be fair he's actually doing quite a good PR job of coming across as a better human being these days so fair play to him for that but yeah I mean Ashley Cole was was one of the very best and better than Maldini yeah maybe, maybe there's an argument for that to be fair Maldini was probably the 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 greatest of all time but well, Maldini did both didn't he left back and centre back yeah and yeah I, I, mean, I, I think in, t- in terms of the British game, then maybe we we'll, we'll say that. But he's he's twice the player Andy Robertson is for me, and he gets plaudits <laughs> all, all week long. So, um, but yeah, but uh, yeah, the biggest the biggest thing for Tierney, as 
ask any Celtic fans, just keeping him fit. If we can keep him fit um, and, and ward off, you know, potential suitors, he's he's. I think he's brilliant. But his injuries yeah. have been his shoulders, though, isn't he? He fell on both of them, so maybe he's, uh, he's maybe just got a uh, an issue with. He's there was there are people that have easily dislocated shoulders. It's, it is a thing that I've never yeah. seen anyone with a dislocated shoulder. But apparently, there's a lot of them just go, I'll just pop it back in, and, and I'll carry on. But yeah, he landed. I think, he's, I think he's one of those players, isn't he? Because he's so all action mm. and he's constantly putting his body on the line. That the injuries he picks up are those kind of. You know, like a shoulder, as you say, it's falling over. He's not doing that because he's sprinted a little bit too hard. He's not doing his shoulder, doing anything weird like that. It's not hamstring injuries. It's legitimate impact injuries that are just keeping him out for a while. And it's not going to stop him. Debbie makes a point here. Tyranny has played four to five games. Ha ha. That's how much we all rate him. And uh, I remember before we signed him and watching the old YouTube compilations and thinking, fuck, you know, this boy likes to get stuck in. He likes to go down the wing and he likes to pinpoint across. So uh, imagine poor old Giroud, if we'd have had him there, Giroud would have been uh, scored a few more goals. Jeff, is there anything else you'd like us to cover before we go to listeners' questions? Chaka, fair play to him. Um... Go on, then. Another one, uh, critique. I've been uh, back with passes all over the place, and uh, since since Mikel's come in, he has transformed him, and he's a different player now. And and fair play to him. Yeah, good kudos for the lad because, and you know what, his work rate has gone up as well. He's all over the pitch last night, doing a great job, and um, he's obviously signed up to to Mikel's way of playing and way of doing things. And um, I, thought, I honestly thought he was gone uh, when, when he told the crowd to F off and stuff like that. But fair play to him. Yeah, it just shows what can happen, Josh, doesn't it? When you put your hands up, like Chris was saying, just to be out, sorry, and then move on. Well, yeah, I've forgiven him. But again, does anyone really blame him for telling half that crowd to fuck off because they were being twice? I mean, to be fair, they're not allowed in now. So who's the real winner? He's the winner. <laughs> he's just right, though. Like you know, he's he has. I'm I'm still not his greatest fan. I still think if we could get a a party type player in, I still think, I, I still don't think he's he's. When I say Arsenal quality, I think us three would probably get a sniff with the squad at the moment. But when I say we could do better, I, I still believe that. I still think we could, we could have signed a much more mobile um, and adaptable midfielder. But while he's here. You know, if if he's doing what he's been doing the last last few weeks since lockdown, and everything, yeah, as like Jeff said, his attitude seems brilliant. Um, he's still got he's still got a bit in him where you go, oh God, where are you going? Or oh God, what are you doing? But I don't think you'll ever get that out of this game. So yeah, fair play to him. Okie dokie. Right, any more um, points before we move on to questions? Anyone? Ah, oh, the silence has decided. No, right. Chat box has mostly been chatting about whether or not we should talk about Lacazette. Uh, yeah, anybody want to, Chris? Do you want to say something on Lacazette? <laughs> uh, I could say lots. Um, he tries. He never gives up trying, does he? The, the main, the main three things for me about about Lacker is I'm I'm starting to to be convinced that the, the, there's some injury there or there's something. He, to me, he doesn't he doesn't seem to be moving well for me. He, he doesn't explosive pace. Well, you say that, but there's a bit of a myth about that. He was—he's never really been a pacey forward. He's—he's he's one of those. He's got quick feet, but he's not a particularly fast forward. He's the sort of guy who arrives in the penalty area and, and sticks goals away. Um, you know, he's not slow by any means, but at the moment, he looks like a man who's 
who's been on the Volker for, for a few weeks. You know, he, he just looks a bit sluggish and looks like he can't quite move like he did before. Some of it's confidence. But I think what, what you get with Lacazette is what, what we saw at Wolves. When he's on his game and when things, you know, when he's given the, the opportunities, he, he will, he can win matches and, and he will take chances like that. And I think the the biggest decision that, that we potentially got in the summer is, is do we try and keep both centre-forwards or do we keep Aubameyang and, and move Lacquer on and move Aubameyang into the centre? My suspicion is is that's what will happen. It feels a little bit to me like like Lacquer might be um, might be open to a move potentially. I, I feel like the club might edge him that way, and I I feel like he would potentially be interested in in moving on. But obviously, if it was me, I'd keep him because his his work rate's fantastic. He's, he's he does a lot for the team that goes unnoticed. But ultimately, he'll be judged on goals because that's what he's in the side to do. And apart from the Wolves game, and again last night, he had two really good chances and, and didn't take either. Hopefully, saving them for Sunday because that would be delightful. But um, yeah, I, I I think too many people have forgotten he was our player of the season when he first came in. And uh, I think again, people have short memories. But it's one of those. I, I, he just doesn't look to be moving freely to me, and there's a, a bit of a lack of a confidence there. He, look, he looks a lot better, I thought, in uh, the game against Leicester. I think that mm. goal near the end for against Wolves gave him a bit of a boost because Agreed, he yeah. was um, taking a lot more shots, a lot more chances. Movement. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I just don't know if it was poor finishing from Lacazette or great goalkeeping from Schmeichel last night that yeah, denied like, him from getting a goal. Because mm-hmm. I think that header, I think most goalkeepers don't save that one. Mm. To be honest, in the Premier League, I think just the way Schmeichel kind of, well, he follows his dad in the way he blocks shots, doesn't he? He goes with that like jumping, like frog jump. So star just kind of, yeah. star yeah. jump, just gets everywhere, gets his body in the way. And I think mm. against another goalkeeper, I think he, he scores that. Um, but I don't know. It was difficult, wasn't it? And mm. to be honest, in hindsight, we should have kept him on because then yeah. Eddie doesn't come on and get sent off. But <laughs> we can't have everything. And he, and he was unlucky for the offside goal as well because he was offside, but he was in exactly the right place to finish that off. Um, that that's, yeah. that's where you want him. That That's where the penalty area striker. I, I just feel like we've got two really quality number nines and we're forcing one to play wide. And we're forcing another one to play through a bad spell of lack of confidence, and the two don't really mix very well, you know. Chris Kiwami, yeah, Ali, 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 equals lacquer. <laughs> I think Phil might be trolling a little bit there, but yeah, he, he, he divides opinion. But you know, I, I just, I just think sometimes we we've, we've got a bit short memories, you know. I just, uh, I just think it's one of those that sometimes oh, players go through. We need Eddie isn't ready yet. Jeff, what do you think on Lacker? Is he is Eddie ready to take the the lone striker kind of role that Lacker's had for us? Because I doubt we're ever going to see a bummer young playing as a main striker, are we? If it's a straight, if it's a, if it's a straight shootout between uh, choosing Lacazette or Eddie Nketiah currently, it's a no-brainer. I'd always I would always choose Lacazette because I mean you see what you get with with. Him that goal against Wolves, his first touch was he's brilliant anywhere around the box, right? He is very selfish and he will he will make a bit of space for himself and he'll have a shot left foot, right foot, anything. And even even his whole gut plays better than Eddie Nketiah. Eddie's got to fill out a little bit, 
but what you do get from Eddie is quicker across the pitch. He's a little bit more enthusiastic about it. He'll run and chase and harry. Uh, that, it, you, you, that is needed on, on a lot of occasions. But the quality really is down to Lacazette. He is, he, he's, honestly, I think he's technically one of the best footballers at the club. However, it, it, it's no secret that every manager he's played under he doesn't get a full game. So that must have something to do with his stats and his fitness. Mm. Maybe he can't hold the fitness. Maybe, you know, the stamina's not there. Because every single manager that has had a, a work with him, they've always brought him off after 60 or 70 minutes. And there's obviously, that's the thing. All these football clubs, they work on stats nowadays. Um, personally, I think he might be a make-weight uh, with the athletic deal with Thomas Party. Mm. Uh, I think there'd be, there'd be something in that. We'll have to see, though, won't we, you know? Mm. One quick thing before we go to listeners' questions. Um, Josh, party. Is he, is, what sort of Arsenal player of the past do you think he is? Oh. Roughly. That's a big one. No one's going to hold um, I mean, anyone who watches Spanish football more than I do will hold me to account because I can't tell you the last Spanish football game I watched. Ah, me so neither. asking me about Thomas Partey isn't a huge, um, I don't know. I'm just going to throw it out and I'd make lazy stereotypes um, about Thomas Partey. But from what I've heard, he's a slightly better ball carrier. He's like a bit of a ball carrier. Um, yeah. I'm not entirely sure what I could say from Everything I've seen on Twitter, it sounds like they're describing John Obi Mikel, to be honest, with a player that plays. Sorry, Jeff. Sorry, I would uh, Daniel. If I, I would say he's a, he's, a, he's obviously it's a modern game now. It's a different game, but he's a he's a tougher, taller, stronger Paul Davis. You remember Paul Davis, Dan? Oh, do I? I was I was looking the opposite direction when he elbowed Glenn Cockrell. I thought, what's everyone shouting about? Yeah, that's the type of player he is, you know. But uh, very underestimated Arsenal player in the history. One Paul Davis, great I've, player. I've only seen I've only seen maybe seven or eight games from 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 Partey. So, uh, but that's what I've seen of him. You know? Do you think he'll fit in? Do you think he'll play in that role that we've been wanting since the? Well, I suppose Gilberto was the last one, wasn't he? That played in that yeah. proper. You're not going to fuck with me. I'm going to get the ball off you. I'm going to I'm going to pick you up by the scruff of the neck, take the ball off you, and then pass it upfield. Yeah, he looks. He looks. He looks the piece, but you never know. Once they get over here, it's, it's a difficult. It's Premier League. It's it's hustle bustle, isn't it, mate? It's a different league altogether, and you never know how they're going to adapt to it. Hmm. Um, now that we've finished talking about Chris, Chris pa- um, Thomas Party, can you um, give us your lowdown on him in thirty seconds or less? And then we really are going to go and do the questions. Uh, yeah, big fan, big fan. I think he's he's a, as I said earlier. I think he's the sort of player we've been missing for a while. Um, not going to pretend that I'm a Spanish ex- Spanish football expert because I'm not, but I do know a couple of people who are, uh, in particular Joel Melwa, who Josh and I know from the Hipsters Pod. Um, he's a very, very talented uh, central midfield player, kind of box to box more than just a destroyer. Good athlete, good genes in terms of his his sort of um, miles coverage. If 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 you look at his overall stats when he plays, he's he's very much a player that that runs and runs for days. And I think he's the perfect complement to either a three or a two-man midfield. I think if you put him alongside Jack or Sabios, I think you've got a really, really gifted player there. And the best thing I can say to you is, do you remember when everyone literally wanked themselves blind over Jeffrey Kondogbia's performance for Monaco at the Emirates? And everyone said, oh, we've got to sign him, we've got to sign him. 
he's, he's three times the player can dog beer is. So if if you wanna if you wanna sort of look at it that from that perspective, that's what I'd say. And I do remember, and I know I would say this, but I genuinely remember when he first broke into the Atletico side, and I remember talking to Tom, uh, funny enough, about it at the time. I said, "Oh, that that guy looks." Sometimes you can just tell from a player. Uh, and Patrick Vieira came on the pitch against Sheffield Wednesday, and we all sort of looked at each other and went, "Hmm, was a player here." And that's the impression that I got from Partey when he first made the breakthrough Atletico and he, he forced his way into that side and ended up taking that, that position. And I can't remember the guy's name, old shithouse. He used to play in midfield for Atletico before he retired. Can't remember his name. Uh, is it Raul Garcia? I think it was. Yeah, Gabby. Oh, Gabby. Yeah. The Gabby's an, an even better example. Um, he essentially took them, those two, I think Gabby ended up retiring and Raul Garcia moved on to Athletic Bilbao. Um, and the reason they did is because Simeone put all his faith in in Partey. So yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan. And if if we can get that deal done, I think we could build our midfield around him, you know, for a couple of years to come. So I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan of his personally. And I've never seen him play. And Atletico are actually my Spanish team, and that's uh, I just get bored watching him under Simeone. Uh, Sean Unpronounceable says Party reminds me of what everybody thought Victor Wanyama was going to develop into. Dot dot dot. But didn't. Victor Thank Wanyama. you very much. Remember that. Remember him. Whenever I said we should sign him, my God, painful. You're right, gentlemen. We have got. Uh, do you want to go and inject your cat, Chris, now while we're, while we're doing some questions or can you leave it no, 20 no, minutes? No, I've, just, I've just given him their food, so he's got to have his injection half an hour after eating, so we're, we're good. Jeff, are you good for another 20 minutes? Me, me Daniel? Yeah, are you good for another 20 minutes for questions and then we can go? You give me 10 minutes, Daniel. Okay, well, I'll give you some questions first and then, then I'll do the rest of them with these two losers. Perfect. Thank you. Right. Keep yourself unmuted, Jeff. Uh, listeners' questions. Right, Phil, I'm not going to ask you that one because that's from Mike. Mike's an idiot. Um, right. Uh, no, I'll save that for Chris. No, not that one. Ah, Josh Robinson. I love Torreira. Missed having him play. Missed having a player like him. Huge boost to have him back. Will be interesting to see how and if Mikel utilizes him. What do you think his future is at the club? Cheers, Mike. I'm um, Josh. Josh or Jeff, did you say? No, thank you, Josh. And Jeff, you can answer it. Thoughts on Torreira, whose name uh, I keep saying. You know, I like I like Torreira. That's uh, it. That's the one. <laughs> looking looking at what, obviously, Pep has had at Manchester City and thinking that um, uh, Mikel is going to be looking at the same, I do think that he's going to have something a little bit more taller, stronger, more athletic, Longer legs so you can stop the balls going past you when players are trying to put it down the angles. You'll be surprised if you're closer to people and you've got longer legs. You know, I know it sounds a bit strange, but um, so I don't know whether or not. I mean, I like Torreira, uh, but again, he's another few quid there that we might we won't be able to sell him and, and get a few quid and, and, and sling it into Partey or or someone else, you know. Uh, I would keep him, but I do like him, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure where he's going to stay at Arsenal. You can't really tell. He's obviously just come back from injury. He might, he might, he might wing it and, and, and get his way into the first team and do a job. Okie dokie, I agree with you there. Just really, right. just really quickly on Jeff's point, there, just just a very quick one. His point about Pep and building that side is exactly right. Partey would be the Fernandinho piece of the jigsaw if we were to get him. So yeah, I completely agree with what Jeff said there. 
Thank you, thank you. Right, one for you, Josh. Um, I've got your ones from the last show as well and the podcast before that, Josh. So this is from Mike from a podcast called The Gooners Podcast. I've never heard of it. Sounds like sounds like a, a load of Americans going on about PKs. Um, <laughs> given our penchant for a diabolically capitulate. Look at him. He's been on the bloody uh, the long word. He's eating a thesaurus, isn't he? <laughs> uh, capitulate, fucking it up late in games during squeaky bum time. Would you rather enter the final 20 minutes of the game a goal up or level? I feel we're more likely to snatch a late winner than hold a late lead. We're six. We're at sixes and sevens. He's only put that in because he had the um, the the bracket game for football cliches. That's shit bag. Oh, yes. Um, that's a good question. I'd always rather we go into the last uh, twenty minutes leading, to be honest, because as much as you think we could grab a last-minute winner, I kind of see us being able to get on that counter-attack as well. Now, especially the way we kind of set up, and we could get a second. I think that's where I'd I'd rather go into. It. Obviously, it didn't work yesterday against Leicester, but I well, can't can't be right all the time. Oh yeah, I'm just. Uh, I didn't expect you to answer that, that quickly. Apparently, is um, I'm asking is on. Oh, oh, there we go. Nick was uh, watching that podcast from Dial Square to here. Had nine people on the podcast, and I watched the first twenty minutes. So it was very good. There's uh, lots of interesting people on there. Um, uh, that's Andrew. Okay, so obviously that's Andrew. I forgot to say Andrew. Um, yes. What was I going to do? There was do another question, I think. You asked if Nick was there in the chat oh, box. Nick's birthday. Thank you, Josh. I'm glad someone listens because I had a touch of the, the doors there. Yeah, it's our Nick's birthday. You've got £200 birthday money. So happy birthday, Nick. If you're still there, let us know and we'll all we'll give you a wave. If you're not, then uh, you, uh, you can buy streaming it. streaming at the moment on, on Twitch. So. Yeah, at Nick Fights, if you want to. Oh, actually, I know. I'm going to do something a little bit sneaky in a minute. You can guess what. Right, next Mm -hmm. question. I'll answer this one just to get it out of the way from the one-armed bastard. That is his actual name. And Jace banned his missus from uh, recently from the chat box. And, uh, yeah, luckily at the end of every season, we give everybody immunity and everyone's allowed back in apart from Chelsea fans. So uh, he says, I'll ask this one, who's our third choice striker with Eddie out? He's put Pepe, Joe or Granite. I would say nobody. I mean, I think Lacazette will play every single game at a push. Uh, John Jules um, was out on loan, but he's back because the leagues two and uh, league one and league two shut down. And we've also got Balogun there, but Balogun has been a little, a little bit of, a, of, a, of a, a cheeky scamp and is moaning about not getting games. So I reckon uh, I'm going to look here at the our thing. Anybody disagree that Lacazette just won't play all the games now? I think Lacazette will come in. Uh, to be honest, I think it'll be interesting on what we do with the Balogun situation because he clearly uh, wants more playing time from us. And I think he's of an age now where he should start breaking through. I don't think he necessarily expected Eddie to come back in uh, from his Leeds spell. And Balogun's always kind of seen him come in and, you know, step on his toes almost and block his progress. Um, And if he doesn't want to sign a new deal and send him out on loan to somewhere in the championship and he just wants to move permanently, then I think it's one of those who's got to suck it up. Uh, We've seen other talented strikers leave our uh, youth academy and go on to better things. You know, um, Donald Marlin, uh, for one, who's now firing things up. Yeah, but PSV comes to mind. But we've got such a great amount of talent coming through that 
I know it sounds arrogant, but it almost doesn't matter. <laughs> True. He's going. If it's a you know, if this was the only fullback we had coming through the youth academy system and he wasn't getting game time, then I'd start to flag that as a problem that we're not getting a route to the first team. But look at the number of young players we've got in forward positions from this season. It's not like there isn't a problem getting in there if he wants to. It's just there's so much talent, unfortunately, at that age. And we've brought through an absolute shed load of, uh, you know, wingers and forward players through the Youth Academy recently that, unfortunately, there just isn't the space for him. Very good. Right. Uh, I agree with that. Next question is going to be, so that one could be deleted. Um, no, I'm going to save that one for Chris. Uh, oh, here we go. Jeff is a long one. Oh, here we go, Jeff. One for Ozil. From our very own John Itchy Underpants Welsh. Would you pay off Ozil's contract to get him out of the club? That question was from about three weeks ago before we realised how awful he was at the moment and the whole sticky situation, Jeff. What do you think? If 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 you can't if he, if he's if he's not going to conform to what the manager wants, and um, we we have got to get him out of the club because he's a type of player that could it could poison the rest of the team. That uh, you know the there's actually one way out, and you've got to like subsidise to 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 get his. Obviously, no club's going to want to pay you three hundred and fifty thousand pound a week. After this, this COVID has gone on, um, and there's going to be, be, there's going to have to be some kind of we'll have to pay something. But if we had to do that, I would do it just for the sake of the football club and the, and, and the football team going forward. Good, I agree with you there. Um, if people are wondering, that's our Nick. It's happy birthday. Uh, it's his birthday. I've put the link to his Twitch channel in there. So at the moment, he has got um, how many? He's got seven people watching him. So if you want, you can go in there, go and spam him, and go and say happy birthday, Nick. You're live on ABW. Uh, I think uh, Josh and Chris are the only ones here that have got Twitch accounts. So um, actually, I'm going to go and minimise that just so I can see if any of you scumbags go and write anything abusive in there. Uh, right, so next question is going to be for Chris. Uh, Jeff, interrupt and give me a shout when you need to leave, and then I'll give you one last question. Um, question for you, Chris, from PG underscore Nez, who I think is in the chat box tonight. He says, if Gwendizzi does leave the Arsenal in the summer, should Arsenal try and get um, Adrian Rabio to replace him? Unsettled at Juventus after being unsettled at PSG bonus, he has retired from international football and his mum is lovely. Now, I know we've covered it a little bit, but um, I didn't know he'd retired from international football. Yeah, well, it's one of those, has he retired from international football because he knows damn well he's not going to get anywhere near the squad. <laughs> Probably closer to the mark. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, PG's a, a great follow, by the way. If you, if you like me, like a bit of French football, he's, uh, he's very good for that. So give him a follow. Yeah, I the, the the problem you've got with Rabio is you're essentially swapping one moody troublesome midfielder for another moody troublesome midfielder. The problem with Adrian Rabio is everything that goes within the circus and most of that revolves around his mother who's his agent. Personally, nah, I, I think that ship has sailed. If you'd have asked me this question before we signed Gunduzi, I'd have said yeah. Especially when you could got Rabio on a free. Because at least then you 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 know you haven't really lost anything, and I think Juventus played a a really clever game here by getting him on a free, and will probably sell him on now at, at higher value. They did the same with Emre Chan when he went back to Dortmund. Um, Rabiot showed 
what he's capable of. If you saw the game against Juventus last night, picking the ball up in his own half, running the length of the field and smashing with him from 25 yards. His talent is there, but his attitude will always be there. And a lot of it is off the pitch, but he is also a bit of a so-and-so on the pitch in terms of, of uh, um, in, in terms of baggage, shall we say. So, yeah, I, I would definitely, <laughs> as I see. <laughs> as see you're you're shouting down then. Yeah, Dan. Yeah, go on. Um, so, carry on. Yeah. So, no. So, I would just say no, no to that one. I think there's, I think there are better midfielders out there that we could get that come with less baggage. Um, and I think Adrian can can stay where he is or, or be sold somewhere else for me. So, yeah, talented, but nah, too much baggage. Good. Right. So, um, Josh, um, Jeff, did you say give you one more, uh, or give it to Josh next, and then you? Ask Josh a question and then uh, give me my last one if you wish. Dokey, right? That's the one for you. Um, uh, now that one doesn't make any sense. So, uh, wow, this is a long one. This is from Ben for for Josh. Actually, I'm going to give you yours, Jeff, because Josh is going to take a while to answer this one. Um, huge for you, Jeff from Guna Dub. Why do you think Arsenal are constantly going one v two at opponents' corners? We do it almost every corner, and we're doing it under Emery too. One v two, what taking a short corner? I mean, or do that little one where they move it to the side ten meters, and then they try and do a one v two. I don't know. <laughs> That's all he's got. Chris, can you give me give me a bit of daylight on that? So, so short short corners one one v two. I don't know what you mean. Is the point that we is the point that we're not mixing the corners up? I read it again. Is why do you think we are constantly going one versus two at opposition corners? One versus two. Oh, in no. terms of us not having enough cover and being a bit zonal, it's oh. it's a tactical. It's a tactical yeah. thing, surely. We've conceded a couple of goals, haven't we? The last two games, I think. Uh, mm. Was it Sheffield United or one of them? That was the game we... Oh, Brighton, Brighton, wasn't it? Brighton, Brighton, with the yeah. short corner. Shocking. Shocking. Mm. Yeah, they switch off at the near post. Uh, yeah. I mean, if, 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 if it looks like it's going to be a short corner, you've got to get a man out there, early doors. I mean, and that's all about concentration again. You know, but I think... And it happened again last night, didn't it? Uh, you know, we, we had another short corner. Was it from the goal? I'm not sure. Was it from the guy that goal they scored? Was, off, was it offside? Or I, I, I know the one you mean, but yeah, we switched off completely, didn't we? Switched off again, yeah. And that's the second time. I'm sure. Imagine Mikel will be all over that. He won't be. He won't be happy with that. They'll. Uh, they'll. They'll. They'll work that out. I'm sure they will. But uh, no, you. What is? He's, he's made a good point there, the lad. But the mm. fullback. Or it's about in-game management again. You know, someone's got to be looking at that. And, you know, they've got to be switched on all the time. But whoever's over on that side, it's your duty as a, as a footballer, especially when you're, you're involved in the game, you can feel it. You've got to keep your eye out. And if there's someone that's coming behind you, looks like they're going to play a little short one, you've got to get out amongst it. Yeah. Hmm. Jolly good. Yeah, I agree with that. It, it is a bit concerning, but I think these sort of things are going to come in time, aren't they? He can't change and turn everything around all in, in two or three games, can he? No. Hmm. no right, Jeff. It'll take time, but it's, it, it's, it's a worry. It's something we've got to look at, yeah. Are you off now, Jeff? I am indeed. God bless you, gentlemen. It's been lovely to see you again and uh, see you in a few weeks' time, yeah? Further, for the listeners, from the people that you know, in is there any but one transfer that you think is more likely to come off than any others? Because you do know a few people, don't you? <laughs> I do. I do fancy that. I think. I think party 
I think we might we might get that one over the line. And that's all yeah. we're going to go for now. Oh, you you a tease. <laughs> Cheers, Jeff. It's been great to have you back on. Ciao, mate. God bless. Bye bye. See you later. Right, um, right, and what was I going to do next? I was out, oh, actually. Yeah, massive question. I, I am going to, but that there, people, is the, the YouTube link to Andrew, who is in the chat from Dial Square to Where. He did a show tonight with nine people, including himself. Stan the Man was on there, and uh, there was Delhi Guna was on there, the Bearded Guna was on there. Um, I can't remember who else was on there. Uh, there was there was quite a friend that there was one person Andrew that said Matt Macy was uh, he'd rather have Matt Macy in goal than Martinez. That's when I stopped listening, so I had to go and set this up. I hope you put him right on that because that was uh, that's crazy. Right, Josh, long question for you from Ben. Arsenal's recruitment system has been all over the place over the last few years. I am reading this slowly so you can take it in. However, it now seems to be the youngsters with the re- of a with a resale value. Do you agree with this, or should we also be signing names to improve us too? And then he, while you digest that, he's also put. Uh, oh, that's another question that he's, he's given. Okay. So yeah, what um, do you think? I think our recruitment strategy. Uh, I would say on initial kind of looks is better than it has previously been i you can feel that there is some thought uh, behind what ksc wants to do or at least what uh Kronke, what josh Kronke wants to do with the club uh i think with edu coming in i think that's going to bring a lot more stability we're going to be less reliant on raul's black book for contacts i think we're only going to use that if we need to use that to basically say oh raul we're looking at this player do you have a contact with his agent rather than Raul coming and saying, oh, I've got this contact and he's got this player. And then us going, oh, maybe. Uh, sure, let's buy David Luiz. Yeah, that seems sensible. Uh, I think that's where we'll see the difference is, you know, players like Pablo Mari, he's not young, he's 26 or so, but we know specifically why he bought him or why we brought him in. It was because Arteta said he wants a left-footed centre-back. And we went out, we got one on loan, and then, what, we've paid 10 million or so for him uh, a couple of weeks ago to make it permanent. The same goes with Cedric. You know, there were a lot of people saying that that was a ridiculous deal to bring him in. And I think those who had seen him play at Southampton uh, or when he was on loan at AC Milan, no, Inter Milan, uh, a couple of seasons ago, that you knew the quality of Cedric. He's not a a bad player and although you know through exceptional circumstances we have seen him actually make an appearance this season um from him overcoming those injuries that yeah i think we've also made another quietly good shrewd signing uh there's still some of the big money signings out there that we have made previously that you'd look at and go mm, still not sure but we knew like someone just like um a Pepe, he wasn't going to necessarily be an overnight success that was paying for a player who was going to be a success. Maybe, you know, this season he'd give you an average season and then next season is the season you're really, that's why you're paying the £72 million to bring him in. It's for his next couple of years. And if we do come in with a big deal for them, then, yeah, if someone comes in and wants to sell them, buy them, great. But, to be honest, we've just tied up Martinelli to a brand new contract. 
I think that's going to put a lot of clubs off. And I think from the sounds of things, he wants to stay with us. But then it's also helped us with Guendouzi. You know, we it's not worked out, but we're going to turn a profit on him. You know, I don't think we're going to sell him for, you know, at least what treble what we paid for him. I think we brought him in for eight million or so. You can't see him going out the door for less than twenty-four. Uh, I've just got proof to the chat box that I can do maths as well by uh, <laughs> shouting that bit out. So yeah, I don't. I think the way that we're now looking, unfortunately, it's one of the problems when you look at things from like this like, holistic point of view is that the points you make can't always be proven until like two years down the line. The only thing you need is time. And I think that's a very different way of looking at it compared to just shouting and going, this is a problem. This is always a problem because you've got proof up until you're proven wrong. you know what I mean? Or at least, as you say, you can make an argument about it, but really you're arguing about something that's going to prove you wrong down the line. So whilst it doesn't look like we have a strategy, come back to us in two or three seasons, look at what we've done in those transfer windows with Mikel Arteta and Edu. And I think you'll see that there is a plan in place and it's been executed. I would say, adding to that, the one area of the team that we've not had much success in is centre-backs. Yeah, not many have really come through. But then when you have a look at the fact that we've got um, Papi, Louise, um, Mustafi, I'm just looking through these, Mari, Mari, Chambers, Holding. I mean, that's six regular... Mavropanos there, that's another young one who's been out on loan. When you've got that many ahead of you, you're going to struggle to try and get any, like Saka came in because we needed somebody on the left. And uh, and Willock has come in because of the of um, Ozil not being played much. Talking of Willock, did you know Willock has played more games for Arsenal this season than any other player? Yeah, doesn't surprise me that he's he's always come on as like a bit part player. Mm. Emery kind of he's the only player across like all three tenures that everybody or the coaches relied on as just either coming in and out as a substitute or you know trusting him with the whole game. And he's getting unnecessary stick from some fans as well, by the way. He's brilliant. Mm. He's sixteenth highest number of minutes though. Maitland Niles has played Ozil's played more minutes than him though, so like Chris was saying, but yeah, people are being a bit mean, Chris. But he's played loads of positions as well. I think yeah. that's yeah, another yeah. thing that although I would say it's a lazy observation to say that he's played all his games in midfield, mm. because midfield isn't a position. No. At all. He's in the there. same way, it's like comparing saying uh, you know, defence and then not going and then assuming that centre-backs and left-backs are exactly the same. The midfield, there's so many different minutiae of that position there. We've seen Willock play behind the striker in a kind of, not Meza Ozil, I'd almost say like supports shadow striker, like, and I'm going to, sorry on the eve of North London Derby, you're going to use his name, but it's the best example I can think of at the moment in Deli Alley. No. I know. Yeah. Um, sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. I couldn't think of anyone else that plays that kind of position. Uh, and then we've seen him play like next to Xhaka. You know, it was there in like a swap out for Gwendouzi. He's played all over the place and asked for different roles. And it's that kind of thing that has seen him put in so many minutes or so many uh, appearances, should we say, rather than minutes. 
I, I wonder if that indirectly is going to lead to a bit of a renaissance for Ainsley Maitland-Niles as well. Because I think if you'd have asked me six months ago, would this guy be at Arsenal next season? I would have said absolutely not, no chance gone. Under Arteta, he is slowly but surely seems to be getting back on board, if you know what I mean. And I think you know the worst thing he did was come out and say, I don't want to play right back. You know, If he'd have just sort of kept Sturm, I think he probably would have been getting the chances in midfield now. And But the fact he came out and spoke about it. But I... I, I if you, if you look at the young players we've got in in the squad, he he he's still got a, a part to play if he wants to be part of it. And I think when you can, if you can look at, if you can look at building a squad around around what the future could be, Tierney, Bellerin, um, Saliba, Willock, Maitland Niles, Saka, Martinelli, possibly Rob Holding. Although I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure whether Arteta fancies him. I think I think he might fancy Chambers more than Holding. I'm not sure if there's a place for both, but that, there's a, there's a spine there potentially of of young talented players, and, and we're forgetting players like um, Smith Rowe, who's gone off radar but has performed very well at, at Huddersfield on his loan spell. He will potentially come back, particularly if, if Mesut Özil moves on. That would be a role that you'd look at and think he'll get some chances if if not in the Premier League in Europe in. There's all of a sudden a few players that, yeah, some won't make it. Of course they won't. But there's a few players that are in and around that squad. Matt Smith's made the bench, what, three times out of the last five games. We haven't seen a lot of him, but George Baird speaks very highly of him. And if there's anybody that would know, it's George. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a there's a nucleus of a, of, of a real sort of um, future. And, and don't forget, these players have come through together as well. So they know each other's games. Uh, and if you can sprinkle that and splice that with the experience of a, a Xhaka and, and mix it with the potential of a, a sort of a Partey stellar signing and you keep a Bamiyang, who bowl account sounds to be quite a good influence on the young players, you, you've, you've got a, a nice blend of youth and experience there. So I think we should be doing all we can to try and keep keep these young players that are on board the Arteta train. And whilst Maitland-Niles, for me, I think Dom and I, I remember Dom and I having this conversation a while back, I think he was massively overhyped when he was just doing a good job but I do still think he has a, a future at the club if if he wants to stay if, if he doesn't fine we move him on but I think if he wants to stay and, and he's on board with the ideas Arteta has I still think he's got a future as well I agree with that right uh, Phil Macker asked about three weeks ago Leno has been immense how worried are you guys about how bad we will look at the back without him Phil we don't need to answer that question now. Thank you very much. Questions from the live show from a couple of shows ago from you, Josh. Um, Archie said, thoughts on the Saliba situation and Mickey? I think we'll all agree. Mickey, good riddance. And Saliba, Chris, this, I thought, how could they want £2.7 million for us to let them use him in their French Cup final? And then someone explained it to me. There's a clause in the loan contract that if he might plays one more game, they we owe them £2.7 million. Is that, yeah. is that been them being a little bit sneaky or do they just go, well, it'd be good for him to play and help us win the Cup final or is it both? Abe, it's it's there's a, there's a there's a little bit of both sides that are at fault here. I think I think Arsenal are at fault to the degree that this is a young lad that is coming to Arsenal, and, and I don't think it would start brilliantly where we sit back and go ah, cup final, <laughs> no chance. But at the same time, who are they playing? Uh, it's PSG. So oh, the, the, the likelihood is Saint Etienne will get ripped apart five or six one. You know, realistically, that's what's probably going to happen. But at the same time, PSG haven't played haven't played any games, so neither of PSG, so uh, neither of Saint Etienne. So there is a chance. You know, if there was ever a chance for Saint Etienne, it's now. 
But irrespective of whether there's a chance or not, you're a young lad. You've come through the the, the graduate scheme at at, um, uh, at at us, and and you've you've come through the ranks there. You want to play, and and of course he wants to play. I've always been of the opinion: if he's injured, he shouldn't play. Simple as that. If he's fit, then the the two clubs need to come together. And yes, I, I you know I think two point five million. It, it's a fair chunk of money to pay to pay a player for literally one game. I would be more looking at the person who signed off on that deal, knowing full well how many games St Etienne had to play and knowing full well how many games potentially he would have played if they got to the cup final. Surely you would have sat down and gone, OK, let's find out the maximum games possible. If, if, if St Etienne were to win every game of every cup final, you would have thought that's what they'd have done. So for me, for our in, or for our lack of knowledge of that and our bad planning, I think we should just say, just meet in the middle and say to St. Etienne, look, we're not going to pay you the 2.5 million, but you know, yeah. we'll, we'll pay a million quid and let the lad play. Because I, I don't want a player coming in. I don't want Saliba to join Arsenal under a cloud. And when I say under a cloud, I don't mean like, you know, I don't want him coming in going, yeah, I'm really happy to be here, but I've, I've really wanted to play this final. And it just doesn't sit well with me. You know, it's one game. Um, but on the flip side, if he does his cruciate, you know, imagine like, imagine our fan base then. And it would be a very Arsenal thing to do, wouldn't it? Let him play and he does his cruciate in the final. But no, I, I think you've got to you've got to give your you've got to give him that opportunity to play the final. And I think the clubs will probably come to some sort of agreement about it. Hopefully. Just looking at St Etienne here, they were in the Europa League. They finished third out of four. They didn't yeah. win a game, drew, drew four, lost two. And they were three points above the playoff relegation spot in Ligue 1, which is yeah. a disastrous season for them, considering they did so well over the last few seasons. But we're not here to talk about them, are we? No, gone off a cliff, unfortunately, um, and it's all gone a little bit wonky, yeah. Right, we need to try and get this done within the... uh, We've got another couple of questions here. Mickey, good riddance. Uh, Matt Roberts asked, oh, we've got about a new physio. I've got that in my notes, Matt, so um, I'll talk about that another time. Daryl Kane, uh, he made a good point. I'll read it out. We don't really need to answer it, but he says, do you think it would be wise for Arsenal to get back in the ways of signing the individual nation's best players? For example, Rasiki Kleb, Soza Balassi. That's not even a word. Um, take a look at our internationals now. Josh, um, quickly, because we need to finish within two hours. Do you think that would be something we should concentrate on again, considering we had the Armenian player of the year for the last 300 years and he did fuck all for us? <laughs> I was going to say, we have Mkhitaryan. And to be fair, we've got Pepe as well. There's not yeah. many Ivorians that are tearing it up compared to him. True. It's very true. Okay. Also, nobody fucking at me for Zaha. Guys, yeah, shit season. Yeah, Fuck yeah. off. Five goals. He has now drawn level with Lewis Dunk for goals this season in the Premier that, League. That is an utter fraud. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, now we are moving on to Fife's Forum. You lazy fuckers are giving us two answers. A really good question. We're retiring Fife's Forum at the end of the season. You scumbags don't bother. Um, we have ten out. We have ten points out of our last twelve points available. Can this form continue for the rest of the season? Mike from the Gooners podcast. Yes, it can. Especially if we win three and draw one of our next four games. You tit. <laughs> um, and a one-armed bastard says Arsenal could, in capital letters, win five out of the last possible six, but won't. Missing European football is going to hurt. You two, Chris, do you think we can carry on this this form of uh, or this really decent form? Uh, yep, I do. I think we'll beat Spurs. I really hope so because that would 
fill me with lots of joy. Uh, I think we, I think we're capable of taking a point at Liverpool because they're on the beach very much. And I can't remember who else we're playing. Villa, is it? Or is it Villa? Yeah, Villa's one of them. Uh, uh, and Watford, I want to yeah, say. Liverpool, Man City, away at Villa, home to Watford. But three of our last four home games are at home. Yeah, I, I, th- I think we can take points from all of our remaining league games. And I certainly think we can we can win two, if not three of those. And the cup semi-final, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a flip of a coin. Um, I just think that the league game might give Arteta a bit more of a chance because I think he'll be ready for City this time. So, yeah, I hope I hope so because I'd love a cup final. And we saw Man City go um, play Liverpool at Man City and smash them. Should have been 5-0. And now Liverpool are struggling to beat Brighton, Josh. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't uh, I mean, I mean, they're not struggling. They are two one up. Okay, sure, two one up. But um, Brighton have just brought Philip Schofield on. Everyone uh, <laughs> is in the chat box. He was um, watching Tom's show tonight. Avon, could you give us a little review of how uh, R. Ellis was on the show? I say R. Ellis. Um, Drew was on there as well. He's a regular, and uh, yes, so I'd like to know how he got on. Uh, I'd like a critique. Of, of Ellis and uh, feel free to end it with a hashtag fuck Ellis right final things gentlemen think of your gentlemen's nods Come while on. I go over possible podcast titles right Phil Macker ABW Amateur Tech Night <laughs> uh, Mike in the USA said Jeff has the least shit beard well, we can't have that because you can't have swear words in it my brother did who did the poo um, Archangel the redemption of Xhaka and Mustafi and Phil Macker, ABW, Amateur Tech Night. He's done that twice. So, yeah, yeah. just because you do it twice, Phil, doesn't mean it's more likely to get in. And which one of those do you like, Chris? Uh, all of them. No, um, I mean, Who Did the Poo is great, but I'm not sure that would really describe the podcast. We'll probably have to go with Mustafi and... Uh, I like that. Yeah. Josh, finally, you get the deciding vote, which one are you going to go for, for, as long as it's that oh, one? Yeah, I'm going to go with Who, like, who Did the Poo. Well, it's 2-1 isn't it so you don't get the deciding yeah. vote actually oh, in the chat box if you want to put in there which one we should go for um, then then let me know oh yeah Avon has said mm-hmm. Ian Drew were a cut above <laughs> there you go oh and Avon says the podcast let's sell Leno no not doing that <laughs> can't do that um, unless someone come unless there's more votes for the who did the poo then <laughs> Then plus you'd have to watch the show to know well, actually I did do a bit of commentary as Chris ran off into yeah, the distance. Exactly. I think it, it's a little uh enticer for people. <laughs> oh dear. I mean everyone else's podcast can be called something like Mustafi and Jacker's Redemption or oh, Martinez Amazing. Come you know on, chat. Yeah, exactly. And and Bobby, Bobby is I don't know if you can see him behind me there. Yes. He's, he's laid on the floor there. There he is, little monkey. He's, he's come to you. And he is named after a, an Arsenal footballer, Bobby Perez. Oh, are, you, are you being swayed, Chris? I think I am, actually. I think I am. Oh, there yeah. you go, then. Bobby, um, Bobby's had a tough weekend. He deserves a little little nod. Yeah. Phil's voting for himself. Not only has he told us twice, he's now voting for Tech. <laughs> Someone time Phil out. No, don't do that. <laughs> right. The, the name of this week's podcast is Who Did the Poo? Jesus, yeah. you're making sure no one's ever going to listen to us, you absolute scumbags. Right? Have you, you gentlemen, got a no? You gentlemen, yeah. behave yourselves. You scumbags got a gentleman's nod. Yep. Go on, Chris. Who's it going to be? Uh, 
Yeah, it's a, gen- it's a chap who messaged me whilst we were recording. So I want to give him a shout out. We just mentioned my poorly cat, bless him. Um, Anthony Howe, who I think, is, is, yes, he lives in Toronto, Canada. Sorry. Um, yeah, he lives in, in Canada. Um, yeah, Anthony Howe, at A. James Howe. Um, go and give him a follow, people, because he's only got 62 followers. But he very kindly messaged me halfway through the pod to let me know that his cat is diabetic and he's been helping his cat out for four years. And he said, if I've got any questions, he'd be happy to help. So thank you, Anthony. I really appreciate that. I have messaged you back. And uh, yeah, that's very, very kind of you. So good shout out. Please give him a follow. He's a gooner in Toronto. Uh, are you insured? Is Bobby insured? Uh, no. You having to pay for it yourself? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm with PDSA. So, um, I don't yeah. know what that means. That sounds like something you'd get from being in Vietnam. I would strangle <laughs> my cat my bare hands if, that, if he had that. <laughs> Fuck up. No I'm- way. Currently, uh, because I was made redundant when all this shit went down, I'm currently in receipt of uh, uh, of, of benefit-based income. Therefore, I get a contribution-based pet care. So, yeah, it's not all bad news, but it's oh, still expensive. Our old Bobby. He was born in 2008, so he'll be 30 <laughs> next month. Chris can't count people. He'll be 12 next month. Sorry, 12. <laughs> <laughs> right, Josh, who's your gentleman's not going to go to? Uh, I'm going to go for a, actually, no, I'm going to go for at Sky Crickets because oh, yeah. they posted something earlier. Um, if anybody was unfortunate enough to want to try and watch the cricket when it came back today, uh, the test between England and the West Indies that was mostly watching, well, at one point, I think I saw Meza Ozil go past on his money raft. <laughs> it was that wet down in Southampton. <laughs> But um, <laughs> exactly. Um, but Mike Holding, uh, the uh, retired Jamaican cricketer, uh, did a amazing uh, five minute spiel on um, Black Lives Matter. Um, it's absolutely superb. They also had oh, I forget her name, Ebony. Someone um, she's an English cricketer. Um, also did a bit as well. But that tweet that they put out. It's about five minutes long and I would implore anyone to have a watch of it because it's just superb, superb. And just so, I don't know if you disagreed with it, I think you'd need to have a strong, hard look at yourself. Go and sit in the garden and have a strong, have a think about it. Yeah, exactly. Very, very powerful towards the end, especially. Yeah. Really, really good. Mm. Really good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Archangel says Bobby was born the last year we challenged. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. My, my gentleman's nod is going to go to Pepe, who has become a father. So, uh, your yeah. life Pepe, is now over. Well, unless you can run away and you're good at running, so that's it. <laughs> um, and I don't think there's a next show is on Sunday after we play the scum, so that is that. And I think. There's only one way to end the show. There's a certain famous podcast that likes to sing the uh, during the show's theme tunes for, for players. So my one is Mana Mana Bert Kayosaka, Mana Mana Bert Kayosaka, Mana Mana Bert Bert And you can hear the sound of Chris's mouse being clicked in disapproval. I'm going to go and get in the naughty corner. Thank you very much for joining us tonight, Mr. Carpenter. 
pleasure. I need to go and inject my cat. That's not something you do today, or you do in certain parts of uh, the world where that is um, uh, allowed. Thank you very much, Josh. Good luck with your adding up and your minusing and your timesing and your uh, what's the other one? I can't remember. Reading. That's the one. Thank you very much. So, uh, all that. Thank you very much to everybody in the chat window. Uh, it's been it's been different. And uh, no, oh god, we're going to get de- oh, actually we're not monetized. We're going to get demonetized for the uh, for me singing that song. And I expect the the terraces to be singing that as soon as we're allowed back in five years' time, while Saka is playing for Real Madrid or Barcelona. Right, this has been about Cat Wonderland. You have been Chris, Josh, and the people in the chat box, and I am going to say good night. Good so night. That's how you end a show. <laughs> As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog. <laughs>